ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. gentlemen to this tuesday march 27 2018 edition of the hagman report so glad to be here today we got a lot we're going to get into uh going to give you the schedule and who's coming on in just a moment we we're kind of rushing around here uh, last minute before we got on air and uh and worked up a little bit of a sweat so if you see the shine on my face that's from running around no we got a lot to get into a great show today we have uh Coming up in the next segment, a first-time debut guest, George Upper. He is the editor-in-chief of Western Journal. Right, John, you said it's not Western Journalism, it's Western Journal. And for those of you unfamiliar with the website, it is a great uh, site that I just discovered recently because of my frequenting the Liberty Daily website. And the Western Journal is the uh, .com is the website, and they have really been doing great work as far as putting up pieces that are very relevant and well done in a, in a landscape of media that is so biased and slanted towards the liberal mindset and agenda. It is nice to see platforms like this, uh, you know, stepping up and adding a, an alternative uh, voice out there in this time of censorship. Then at 8 o'clock, we have Debbie Ulrich coming on. And if you go to HagmanReport.com, there you click on the show for today. And all the links for our guests are, for the guests, for their websites and information are in there, in the, the blue links. And, uh, Debbie is coming on to talk about the news. She's the host of the, the Debbie Ulrich show. Then 8.30, another congressional candidate, I'm sorry, senator, senatorial candidate, Aaron Cruz who is running against Diane Feinstein. So that is uh, another one. we got to put together a, a list of all of the politicians who are running in the 2018 midterms that have come on the show, and uh, I, I think we should absolutely do that. Then, in Hour 3, Standeo is not feeling well, and I'd ask everybody to keep him in your prayers. I spoke with him at about 6.15 today, and he sounded pretty bad. He was in a lot of pain. So, in place of Stan, we are going to air the Doug Hagman radio show from this morning. Now, I have not listened to it yet, so it will be new for me. And uh, we were going to play the Hagman Daily Show, but uh, my dad said, nope, we're playing the Doug Hagman you show. You know, for all you've done, for <laughs> everything, because you've posted your shows on YouTube, I, no, nobody's ever heard my show, so I figured, what hey. the heck, you know, why not? I have offered to post your show on YouTube. I, I know. We can do that. I, I don't like that though because I, I want to be totally independent. But I figure for tonight, why not? You know. Okay. Hey, hey, so hey, we okay. So did you go over this yet? I, I just got to show show everyone this. <laughs> no, we didn't. I didn't talk about that yet. I, I'm not going to mention any names or even locations in the city. But we get mail. All right, we get mail. Proof. We get mail. Hang on a second. For those listening, I'm adjusting my my garb. All right. So we got we we, we, we got uh, you know every day we get letters and 
we got a very nice letter from Maria Canice on spiritual warfare today. Many letters, and she's very good. But so I'll just I'll just kind of, and I'm not going to embarrass whoever this is, but um, it's a bill. It's a it's a bill from someone who is. We think it's a bill. Well, yeah, the best we could tell, we're being sued. Now, this wasn't but, served but, upon us, so we're just being sued. Why are we, why, why are we, uh, well, sit why back and let sued? me explain why we're being sued. <sighs> Look, we're being, we're being you know why we're being this, sued? If this, if they're serious when they sent oh, this. Oh, they're, they're serious. I'm we're sure. not making fun of you. No, no, no. But God bless you. God bless you. The humor. We're being uh, sued a dollar a minute, apparently for, uh, this person's time for having to, to listen, listen to, the to show. our show. It, it, so, in failure to appear, it would be $250. I, I don't know where to appear, though. That's a problem. Um, <laughs> but good my question is, is um, why'd you listen for so long if you didn't like it? Oh, you know? Hey, wait a minute. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Eric has a new mic. Is uh, it hooked up yet? No, it's not. Okay. Well, he's going to be able to chime in over the air from time to time. Well, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah, let me interact with somebody here. Okay. Jolie? Yeah, I just happened to see this flash by in the, in the chat. Okay. What do you mean I'm crusty? <laughs> That's awesome. Where, where am I crusty? <laughs> That's funny. He's a lot of things, but I don't think Crest is one of them. Look, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm cranky. Yep. But I've never been called crust. No. All right. Anyway, pretty good. So anyway, so thank you. Look, uh, I don't know, brother. Whoever wrote this, look, I'll buy a cup of coffee. I'll wash your dishes maybe a day, but. Uh, Man, I don't know. I we're not gonna. We can't be. We can't be paying for your time. Sorry. All right. Uh, well, I guess with with the uh, housekeeping out of the way, let's get into yeah. some news. What's you gotta love it, right? To talk about today, it seems like a, a kind of a slow news day. Uh, for the most part, you know, no major tragedies. Uh, you know, we have the continuing Stormy Daniels coverage from still the stormy. CNN. Still, still stormy. My wife and I were talking now. What? <clears throat> do you believe he? Did, do you believe they? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? That they had a, an intimate relationship? Absolutely. I, I don't think that's uh, disputed. This was in 2006. The president then cheated on his wife with not one, multiple women. And I, I, uh, I it's look, wrong. Look, it's I, I got immoral. standards, man. I got standards. Of course. But uh, that's I'll say one this: thing I wouldn't do. We elected a president, Never. not a moral leader, not a priest. No, While his conduct no, no, was wrong. No, no. He, it's possible that he's a changed well, no, man. I, well, I, look, but it, he, he, I, mean, I just did he with a prostitute. I mean, no, she wasn't a prostitute. No, no, no. She, Stormy Daniels was. She's a, a porn star, which is just or, a well, high I'm sorry, paying a, a pro- prostitute, yeah, a, a porn star. And then, what did I say, prostitute? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I even mean, in that whole realm, I wouldn't do it. It's uh no, it's definitely wrong. It's immoral, unethical. Um, it, it's unfortunate, and it does not bode well for his character. But you know, if we're uh, ten years ago, twelve years ago, 
uh, maybe he's a different man than he was today. Well, I know for me, that's the case. So. If we're, ju- I mean, I, I was in trouble with the law 12 years ago, and uh, I, I've changed. I've not been in trouble since. So people can change, and um, we're not excuse. See, one of the things that the media likes to do is attack his supporters, especially the Christian ones, by saying, "How can you support President Trump and say you're a Christian? How can you defend him when this conduct is?" Uh, so obviously wrong and, and, yeah, and against what yeah. you believe. And I've, and I've seen, uh, really, I've seen self-professed Christians take him to task. And well, the, uh, I mean, uh, look, he, he's not a minister. He's not a preacher. Neither right. are we, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I don't look. I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I'm sure he doesn't either. Donald Trump. We didn't let. You're right. We didn't elect a minister to lead. Um, and this is now, before any, you know, and, attempt at becoming the president. And, and, and people say, well, it's, you know, it'd be easier. Well, we'll know if he's for real, if he, um, uh, terminates, uh, well, for example, ter- terminates funding for plan, Planned Parenthood. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. He should. But, uh, and he didn't. And the omnibus bill that he signed, you know, the more I learn about it, and I spoke to a constitutional authority or an authority on the Constitution, a legal mind, and, and uh, I might have gotten it wrong. I explained that. You'll hear it tonight at 9 o'clock. The uh, ominous versus yeah. budget part. Yeah, I might have gotten that wrong. Uh, I might have been too quick to, to believe that, that there was some more flexibility there, constitutionally speaking. You mean as and far as was, what? Uh, I got an email, and I contacted this individual, and then from there we had this long conversation. So You I mean as far as his, uh, yeah, his, uh, his ability. ability to pay or not pay certain things based right. on? Right, Okay. Well, either way, yeah, I mean, we don't agree with, the decision on the spending bill. Uh, we, we talked about this earlier today. Regardless of it needing to get through, regardless of the military and other parts of the government needing that money and, and, and uh, raises from you know previous years, he did not have to sign it. I mean, the pressure no, was not didn't. on him. The pressure no. was on Congress. And Congress, once again, as is the uh, standard operating procedure with them, has failed the American people and instead enriched themselves, their friends, at the expense of the American people. And they gave themselves raises. So did the Senate. Uh, I think it was a $14 million a a year for Congress. And they also also increased their operating budget. Do you know the cost... You know how much their operating budget is for a year, Congress? At least 100 bucks a day. $919 million. That's that's not even... That's a lot. I don't even think that includes their salaries. So... But yeah, we're gonna. We're, the more we learn about what was in the spending bill, the angrier we will become. I'm, I'm sure of that. Uh, so, uh, all right. Yeah, but, um, I I don't know whether you saw this show. Uh, the very concerning this New York Times op-ed piece uh, repealed the Second Amendment to make school children safer. Former Supreme Court Associate Justice calling for abolishing the right to bear arms. This uh, John Paul Stevens, former Supreme Court. Uh, uh, a retired Supreme Court Justice, John Paul Stevens, saying, repeal the Second Amendment. Now, if that doesn't scare people out there, I don't know what will. And Greg Jackson obviously listens to the show, his dog Gunner, you know, he, uh, both he and Gunner listen to the show, but I guess a Supreme Court decision is not necessarily binding, especially if it's antithetical to the Constitution. We know that. But, the the fact that this mindset is there among in in particular this associate uh, retired associate Supreme Court justice it should tell us a lot about the mindset of the general public. I'm telling you, they're coming for your guns. They're coming for you. They're coming to 
subjugate America under the the, the jackboot of of communism. Ultimately, I'm going to pro- promote tomorrow night's program. Uh, a, Diana West is going to be on. We're going to be talking about the the historical communist history of communism, and, and uh, she's the author of American Betrayal. So I can't wait on that. The, if, um, if you're on Twitter, <clears throat> just say can't wait to hear you on the Hagman Report. If you guys are on there, so if you don't mind. Just real quick, I wanted to, you brought up the issue of the uh, calls for the Second Amendment to be repealed by former Supreme Court Justice. John Paul Stevens. Okay, John Paul Stevens. Now, we have a reaction to that. There will be a civil war. Uh, That's what (laughs) Jesse Waters said about John Paul Stevenson's call for repealing the Second Amendment and also CNN as a piece of I I like what, uh, sorry to interrupt, I like what, uh, uh, Stuart Rhodes said, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll get her guns, bullets first. And I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, believe me, right. anyone coming to, to, to my house to, to get my guns, you'll get them. No, he, he's exactly you'll get right. Them. Bullets first. CNN has a piece out. There's not a snowflake's chance in hell of repealing the Second Amendment. And this is interesting. It talks about the uh, Supreme former Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens and what he said after, and also... Uh, they talk about how these high school kids have marched and not achieved any meaningful reform. That seems to be the state of affairs. Gun laws seem uh, set, despite growing support to change them, at least changing the laws. Measures passed in Florida after the high school shooting seem to have no prospects at the national level. But the former Supreme Court Justice Stevens is not talking about okay. threading around the edges of anything he wants who, to outright who, ban. Hey, hang on a second. Who, who posted our YouTube? What's what? what who uh, who our posted show? Our, our show for today? John did. John, say it with me. What month is this? Okay. Now you want to look at the YouTube and tell me what, what it's posted as? John's in trouble. Yeah, we're live. We'll do it live. Yeah, that's all right. So, all right. Can't we, um, can't we edit it right now? No. But it's March 27th, folks. And tomorrow is, uh, Joe's 35th birthday again. Uh, I had him when I was 10. Boy, was my mother upset. Uh, but uh, anyway. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But his birthday is tomorrow, so, uh, wish him happy birthday and we'll, we'll wish him tomorrow night, I guess, right? Yeah. Whatever. Thank so, you. So, all right. Um, but you know, okay, the, 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 I, I this, the okay, you did? Yep. did? Oh, there it is. It's did it change? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All of a sudden. Okay. Um, no, but, but pay attention to this because look, the, uh, uh, this, the censorship in the, the anti-gun, anti-second amendment, anti-first amendment crowd, you need to pay attention to this. I feel kind of laid back today. So, yeah, in, in discussing this, I, I think it's important to discuss this with a laid back attitude. Um, and I, I noticed uh, a couple of people, and by the way, Julie, it, it, cool, no problem. I, I got it. Um, the, uh, uh, a couple of people said, you know, don't worry about the, uh, omnibus bill. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think we are. I think, I think we're, we're more angry. At, Joe and I are, are angry at the, uh, at the at the con at the the Republicans or at least the so called conservatives there, uh really setting Trump up for this and, and, and but but Trump is his own guy. He could have vetoed it. It is what it is. Let's move on, let's let's deal with it. And he said Trump said he'd never 
never do that again. But I think the more critical aspect of things is under his watch, uh, I'm, I'm, and Stuart Rose was talking about this yesterday too, you know, is he, is he kind of giving in on the Second Amendment? If that's the case, boy, that, that there's going to be a problem. And this brings us to the push against the Second and First Amendment, which are closely tied at the hip. And as you'll tune in tonight, uh, in this show or in my show this morning, which is going to play, play in the third hour, um, Daniel Greenfield, a writer for CFP, Canada Free Press, and also a Sultan Kanish blog, talks about the funding for the March for Our Lives. And I think you better pay attention to who's funding these operations because it's the same people. It all goes back to the Bloomberg people. It all goes back to the Choice Foundation. It all goes back to the, the gun grabbers here as well as the other activist groups that overlap. And, and when you follow the money and start peeling back the layers of this onion, and then you got John Paul Stevens. Do you think for a second, and, and here's a retired Supreme Court justice. Yeah, I, I suppose he could sit there and he could on his own write this letter. But do you think maybe there was a conversation that preceded that op-ed piece that said, you know what, you write it, we'll publish it. Because we know, I know how you feel. And, uh, I think that that's, that's probably what happened. And I think that we have to watch this sentiment very closely of the people in power and the people who are pushing for the change. Because they're, they, look, they're, they are coming for your guns, whether you want to believe it or not. Show it. I mean, Oh yeah, uh, they are. You know, I mean, look at uh, what the media has done with this uh, gun control agenda, especially the March for Life. Now, I want to just talk about this story real quick because this shows, you know, the extent to which these people go to try to brainwash the the American public to buy into their garbage. NBC tries to claim there were eight hundred thousand gun control marchers in D.C. Not even close. Uh, the actual number was about two hundred and eight thousand, and that's per CBS. And NBC continues to, uh, you know, report these inflated numbers. Now we had se- have seen uh, in the last two weeks in the run-up to this rally for gun control, every news organization giving <coughs> countless amounts—I mean, millions of dollars in airtime—to promoting this event, even be- you know, getting on board and in- they're calling for the banning of the Second Amendment, um, and they have really in. It- seized on this opportunity or tragedy as it was the school shooting to relaunch their push for gun control they couldn't get it done under obama even after sandy hook because obama wouldn't he knew better he knew he could not go after the guns and as much as you worry and, and stewart worries and rightfully so about what trump says i think though he uh does a, a lot of what he does is based on what he how he wants other people to perceive him Hey, we, we have to check Oath Keepers too about, about the April 19th. I, I, I didn't do that today. I was tied up with, again, legal people and, and other things. It's amazing how that just sucks your time out. But, uh, uh, but I, somebody, I, you want to check Oath Keepers to see if they yeah, have Yeah, I'll, I'll check, check it right 19th. now. But I, no, I mean, President Trump pays a lot of lip service and he says things that he thinks people want to hear. I don't for one second believe he would ever uh, do anything to ban guns whatsoever. Maybe he would no, I, uh, I do don't. the age restrictions, uh, uh, the bump stock things. I can see that. But any kind of move against the Second Amendment, I don't see I that. I really think he got his eyes open to the reaction from his base. I really think, you know, if, if, if we kind of know that he watches Fox News. We kind of know that he watches, he monitors. No, he does. He watches he's Fox a and Friends every morning. Right. So you got to know that he probably got an earful. And he, I'll bet you, this is just my view, I'll bet you he was like, whoa, what the heck did I do? 
by signing this this bill. And, and I think from that, uh, I believe personally, I believe that this is just, I don't have anything to base this on, but I'll bet you that he's like, yeah, I ain't going to do that again. And holy cow, what did I do? And that really, oh boy. And the other, the other half of this too. I also believe that, uh, that Bolton is going to be kicking some butt in the White House and cleaning, cleaning the house. And uh, look, I understand where Bolton comes from. I understand what a neocon Bolton is or was, but don't forget, he reports to Donald Trump. It's not Bolton re- reporting, to, or it's not Donald Trump reporting to, to, to Bolton. So no, but it's a terrible uh, choice. Uh, yeah, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he trusts him as a person. Okay, but okay, so. Okay, Hillary Clinton in office. Think about this. Who would who would he pick, or who, who would she pick? You probably know? an equivalent uh, to John Bolton. Oh, I don't know. Somebody from know. the the CFRs, the uh, uh, you know Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission types. Uh, yeah, the neocons. I mean, this would be this is like a George Bush pick, right out of George Bush. Yeah, I I, I do agree with that. Look, it, pick again, it is what it uh, is. You know. uh, I, I'm. More concerned. I couldn't say, and, and I'm, I'm going to try to say this slowly. Yesterday, I was having a hard time saying Attorney Joe D. Geneva. For some reason, I couldn't say that. It was like when I was talking with, uh, with, I was, I was on WB, folks, listen to this. I was on WBEN out of Buffalo, the powerhouse station. I mean, you could hear it all the way. When? Oh, this is a couple of years. Oh, right okay. after the yeah, Fort, yeah. Fort Dix. Remember the Fort Dix Six? Mm-hmm. Now, were we in, was that when, were we out of town? I, I was, to, I was we so far out. I, was, we're, I don't know, we were in some city somewhere. Had to somewhere. stop in a parking lot so you can, got an internet connection and, and could, uh. I, I can't remember, but I was hanging out the window, I was on a payphone, I was fired yeah, up. Yeah. And I kept saying the Fort Six Dicks. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the Fort Dicks Six. D-I-X. Okay. D-I-X, folks. Don't do it. I kept saying the Fort Six Dicks. Instead of the Fort Dix Six, uh, because I was so fired up. So I, anyway, the reason I brought that up is because I was having trouble saying Attorney Joe D. Geneva today, yesterday. Uh, not. So it, but it's fun. I don't even know where I, where I came down or why we started on this, except to say that that uh, oh, watch the relations too. You know what did what did Obama do during his tenure against Russia, Hillary Clinton, the, re, the reset button that mistranslated into whatever that was. It wasn't reset. It was a Ignorant translation. We don't know, but we know that uh, whatever but, he wanted uh, to do, he needed the flexibility to be reelected first before doing it, at least in a second term from that open mic, and then all the you know the uranium one, uh, and and so many other things that. But I think Hillary see, Clinton uh, more uh, so than than uh, President Obama. Well, what happened is this: is uh, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, expelled what uh, third. 33, wait a minute, uh, 21, uh, no, 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 where do you go here? Uh, he expelled Russian agents. Uh, okay, earlier today, President Donald Trump led the largest ever coalition response in response to Russians' alleged use of a nerve agent to poison a former Russian spy living in the UK in total 21 countries simultaneously expelled Russian dipl- diplomats. The reason I brought this up is because remember all of this talk about Russian collusion. Think about this for a second. What did Obama didn't even do 
anything. And, and remember Obama sitting back and saying, hey, Donald, quit whining the Russians. You know, it would be ridiculous. Nobody can, that, yeah, nobody, nobody can, can affect hack, the, and, you know, and you're, you're not going to lose the Russians. And remember that now. Yep. Um, people are saying, of course, the, the Russian collusion angle with Donald Trump. And, and now Donald Trump is actually really being kind of forcing or, or being, um, blackmailed uh, bullish on the, oh. On, uh, yeah, of course he's being blackmailed by <laughs> Russia over Stormy. Did, nah, did you hear? Did you hear? He's probably the least blackmailable guy over 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 sex. Right. Did you hear the interview Adam shifted over the weekend, where he was asked a number of questions about the evidence of yeah, collusion, the evidence of the money laundering, yeah. and he didn't give any factual answers. Could not when asked with the you know uh, asked these questions, he says, "I'm speculating here, but." It could be that Vladimir Putin uh, is blackmailing President Donald Trump with, uh, you know, a video of him or information about this and that. And it's very possible that in President Trump's business dealings with Russia in the past, he laundered money. I mean, it's possible. So he's throwing out all these scenarios. I mean, it's possible Adam Schiff, you know, make up the story. It, I mean, anybody it has can a speculate bias towards about homosexual activity. It's possible. Anybody can speculate about anything. So there. Right. So this is what the mainstream media is reduced to. And today, I saw it on CNN, CNN, breaking news. Will Trump fire Mueller? <laughs> Question mark. Again, here it comes again. I don't think he's going to have to do that. I, I, I don't think no, so. No, and because I he's lost all credibility in the eyes of the public. Uh, yeah. Except for those who are diehard Hillary Clinton fans. Well... In this white, I couldn't believe this. I, I, man, I wish we had more time. Um, what college was it in Boston? I, did you see? I, I left my notes in my office again. I don't know, but um, uh, college in Boston. Uh, the librarians there. Uh, hang on, this is good. You got to, you got to hear this real quick. This is good. Why? You got something? Well, I just wanted to answer an email real quick. Go ahead. Go. Go. Uh, uh, from J.K. She says about the Stormy Daniels thing. This is 2018, and if this woman. Says she was with the president back in the day. Uh, what year was Trump married? I don't believe it. Well, see, uh, the thing that uh, about Stormy Daniels is is it was both both admitted by the president uh, and non disputed, and actually the money was paid out for. But her what does it matter? It doesn't matter. They were married. It's only about sex. <laughs> he was married at the time, and he has acknowledged that. Uh, and it is it is true what he did, but you know. When you're That's talking crazy. about the person, the one person who is the only politician or president in a long time to stand for the American people and the Constitution, there it that is. makes there the is. Daniels thing from 15 years ago uh, it, basically it, non-existent. It's irrelevant. As right. long as he stands for the Constitution of the United States of America, <clears throat> that's all I really care about. If he had a, an affair, it, I yeah. you know, it, it is. But I'll tell you what, to me, it'd be a lot easier just keeping it in, you know, where it belongs and not going out there and, you know. That's right. It makes it a lot easier and you don't have to remember all the lies, right? When we so. come back, George Upper, editor-in-chief of the Western Journal. Don't go anywhere. Definition, I, I, you don't have to take it back. All right, I get it, and and I no, I I agree with you actually. It's now it's now in context. The context I understand. I get it. You're cool. All right, we're good. We're good.
Coffee. Buy coffee. You gonna be in Canton? Surely? You can answer. If you are, buy a cup of coffee. At any rate, uh, you're listening to the Hagman Report. This, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It, it is kind of a laid back atmosphere here today. It's been a busy, busy day. We've been getting into hot and heavy into the news, into analysis of certain things. I've, I've been busy with some, some, uh, legal work, of course, and, uh, also actually some investigative work, uh, as well. And then, of course, dissecting really what's going on behind the scenes with respect to the Mueller invest, or not Mueller investigation, with respect to the IG Horowitz and that whole, uh, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the, uh, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. You're not hearing much about that, and there's a reason for that, and I'll be addressing that in the morning. But we've got a great guest coming up. Go yeah. ahead, Joe. And, and it has been busy. Uh, we have the Occupy Conference coming up. Go to Coach Dave Live, and if you, uh, get your tickets now before they are sold out, there is a limited amount of seating. So go to Coach Dave Live, get all the details, register, get your tickets now for the conference coming up in April, April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. And part of the extra workload that we've been taking on, at least I have, is on top of my daily routine from, uh, you know, the website work to the research for the daily show, doing the daily show, uh, you know, then coming here and doing all the things necessary for this evening show is preparing for the Occupy Conference. Uh, we're, we're each going to be speaking separately, so we have to prepare uh, a presentation and gathering up all kinds of different information and, and data. Do we have a I don't know what I'm, don't just, know what I'm going to... Uh, no, keep talking. I don't know what I want to talk about at the conference. And I'm also looking to put together... Uh, I want to write a book one day. And I've always I've wanted to write a book for a long time, but I didn't want to write one just to write one. And I'm pretty I'll sure through it. I have a, a, a very good idea on what to write about. It, it, if it's tell-all, we'll just have to bury it in the back of the studio. <laughs> no, um, that, that'll be a, no, the tell-all section would be a, a bonus section that I would I would sell yeah. for extra money, and it would. Uh, I'm being blackmailed, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, all right, now let's get serious for a moment here, uh, George Upper. Folks, that you've heard, I'm sure you have, unless you've been buried under a rock. Uh, westernjournal.com. This is a website that's absolutely critical. Look, I, I, there are websites that I recommend and then there are websites I highly recommend. Western Journal is one that I highly recommend. And George Upper is the executive editor at the Western Journal. He's a former, uh, formerly a managing editor of, uh, Liftable Media's Conservative Tribune. Now they publish the Western Journal and they're a top 50 publisher prior to working uh, with Liftable Media. George Upper was the chief operating officer of Living History Kids. He's a graduate of the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, former U.S. Army special operator. This guy is no slouch. Let me tell you, he's got, uh, he's got some excellent, uh, I cannot, I, I just cannot promote this enough. His web, or his, uh, of course, the website is westernjournal.com, but you can follow him on Twitter at George Upper. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for this man. George, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, I, I'm sorry we took so long just kind of getting some things together. I was waiting for, we were waiting for the tech to give us a thumbs up in terms of the connection. So, no uh, problem at all. uh, man, I'll tell you what, you, you've got a great website. You've got a conference coming up. Let's address that real quick, right? Western. We just, we actually just held it. The Western Conservative Conference was, was, uh, the 23rd and 24th. We'd, I actually didn't do a count, but I'm guessing five or six hundred people there, uh, okay. great patriotic Americans. Uh, we had, um, some great speakers there. Jeff DeWitt, who, uh, 
was uh, the COO of the Trump campaign, presidential campaign. He's the Arizona State uh, Treasurer now. Uh, we had congressmen. We had Herman Cain. Uh, we had uh, just a number of uh, fantastic speakers there. Joseph Farah, who I'm sure you know from WNB. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I spoke uh, myself on a panel with James O'Keefe from Project Veritas and uh, Aaron Klein from Breitbart Jerusalem on uh, threats facing conservative publishers, which is an area where I've been doing uh, a lot of work right now, online threats specifically. But it was it was great. It's great to be surrounded by that many just you know patriots and uh, to step away from the mainstream media for a while and uh, just be surrounded by people who think pretty much the way that I do about most things. Um, I don't want to live in that bubble all my life, but it's it's nice to have that once in a while. A little shot in the arm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I like the uh, I, I like that myself, getting together and, and seeing the people. Now, if I can ask this, because you mentioned this about the, the censorship, the conservative. Right. Uh, i, I got to tell you, um, I know you're under fire. Uh, I know we are under fire. You know, whether it's through the legal system or through these, you know, whatever. What's going on here? Uh, help us out. Guide us. I mean, I thought when, I, I thought this wouldn't be as bad as it is given the change of, of presidential administrations, but that doesn't seem to matter, does it? It really doesn't. In fact, uh, of course, in some ways, it's uh, it's gotten quite worse. Um, right now, of course, what's what's the big headline lately has been Facebook and its treatment of conservative publishers. Uh, we talked a lot about that at the conference, actually. Um, the the uh, uh, One of the things that we talked about most, perhaps, was uh, some of the challenges that we're facing. It was sobering, but I would say, you know, these are people who are hardworking and thoughtful folks. They're, like I said, patriots, and so there was never an attitude of uh, of giving up. There was It was always about how do we... Uh, what's the next step in this battle? What's the, what's the next fight we need to fight? Uh, but Western Journal, we recently, um, did some, some research, uh, using independent third party data, didn't use our own data, uh, wanted it to be as, as clean as possible and found that, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook have been promoting liberal websites. Uh, so they made a significant algorithm change in early February. And, uh, you know, have always said, well, we don't, we don't have a, a dog in this hunt. We don't have a particular ideological stance we're taking. And yet, if you look at the changes, uh, in Facebook, uh, driven traffic to liberal websites after this algorithm change, you see about a 2% boost going to liberal leaning websites. And you see about a 14% hit against conservative-leaning websites. And uh, and those are preliminary numbers. We're actually in the process right now of going through more recent data and updating it, and I'll tell you those those numbers, as uh, sobering as they are, I think actually understate the case. I think uh, Facebook is really sticking it to conservative publishers right now. And uh, a lot of us, I'm sure you've heard that uh, IJ Review has laid off a bunch of people um, Rare is shutting down the end of this month. Um, other sites, even um, Little Things, which isn't particularly a political site, uh, has closed its doors. So th- these are decisions that are affecting real people and lots of them. And it's because Facebook has decided to have a quote-unquote point of view. 
Okay, and, you know, I, I was reading a, a timeline that was published by Cheryl Atkinson. Yeah. And she had pinpointed, and I didn't realize this, but she pinpointed some September, I think, of 2016. Um, I, again, I don't have it in front of me, but, but September of 2016, when, when, uh, uh, various, I'm sorry, uh, Barack Hussein Obama had first used the phrase fake news. Right. Okay. And that, of course, since that time has taken on so many different connotations and it's been used so much. Now, uh, was this plan, I mean, the, the attack against the, the conservative media and the so-called fake news sites, which is, is anything antithetical to, to the, uh, uh, right. to, to what the MSM says. I mean, how, well, I guess I, multiple questions about this. Um, I don't even know where to start with those questions except, except to say, what do we do about this? I mean, we're getting killed financially. They're wrapping us up, right. some of us up with legal suits. They're wrapping, uh, I mean, it's just a, an incredible thing going on. So, I mean, what do it we is. do? It is. And it's, and it's complex. Uh, and, and that was, that was one of, uh, one of the subjects that I specifically spoke about on, uh, during the conference. Uh, there are, uh, there's a fundamental problem that I don't think we've really talked about. I, in fact, I'm not sure many of us have thought about it in these terms uh, specifically. And that is this this phrase that we use to describe ourselves often, the conservative media or new media sometimes, is really something of a misnomer. The media is, uh, you know, it's, it's Latin. It means middle. Uh, the medium is what transmits. It's your distribution system for information, if you will. Right. Uh, so we're not really the media. Uh, not most of us, anyway. Uh, if you have a print, uh, journal that, that goes out, then you might be the media. If you have a broadcast, uh, television or radio program, then you might be the media. I sound a little like Jeff Foxworthy here, which is not my friend. Um, it's all right. But, yeah, <laughs> that was not an impersonation, I promise. Uh, but, but what we have, what we are, you know, if you've had journalism 101, if you had, if you've had communications 101, you know that in communication there are four parts. There's the messenger, the message, the medium, and the audience, right? Right. We are the messenger and the message. We are not the media. The media is the distribution center and, uh, or dis- distribution system, I'm sorry. And uh, up till now for so-called new media on the conservative side, that's been controlled and continues to be controlled by Facebook, by Google, by Apple, um, by these uh, Twitter and, you know, to a lesser degree, places like Flipboard and, and LinkedIn and Reddit, ChatStep. Uh, and, and we need to come to terms with the fact that not only are we not the media, not only do we not own the distribution system for our product, which is information, uh, not only do we not own that, but the people who do own it hate us. They have no interest in helping us out. And they have uh, carried our product because it's been profitable to them. They've made a lot of money carrying our product. They've made a lot of money uh, in, in advertising and, and other things uh, by, by carrying our product. They have gathered a lot of information, as we are finding out now, about our people. And they have sold that information at a profit, uh, but they are not our friends. They uh, are, are, 
I, I hate to call them the enemy. I hate to call the people who are distributing my product the enemy. Uh, that is, um, it's probably not a wise business move on my part, frankly. <laughs> but, but it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to, hard to listen to what Mark Zuckerberg says. It's hard to see the way they're impacting our traffic. It's hard to see the way that Google is working very, very hard to shut down sites like, uh, like WND. Yep. And, and call them anything else. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Go ahead. The, the enemy part, I mean, you have, it seems like it's harsh and it, does you know feed into that divide but at the same time these people are the enemy i mean when you have uh, these the same people who are not only censoring the truth and censoring people's opinions on on what's going on in the world but they turn around and well, promote things freedom. i mean they promote the abortion the the uh, you know homosexual so right. marriage and transgenderism they're enemies of god and of That's humanity true. And That's so right. So, uh, and, and this is why this is going to uh, intensify. They are not able to win on the uh, intellectual arguments. They are not able. Uh, the, the majority of Americans are still, if not Christian, they're still morally minded. And these people have to resort to censorship in order to try to dominate. Oath Keepers has a great piece up why the right is dominating YouTube, and it goes on to, to lay out all the reasons that they believe uh, that the uh, right wing if we'll call it that media is so much more appealing than the left and we're going to continue to see the increased ways in censorship from facebook to twitter to youtube uh, that that's just inevitable but with that we need to you know use this to find new opportunities to to branch out and, I, and this is what uh the the site the western journal i was not familiar with it until i started frequenting a site called the liberty daily that my father turned me on to but right. boy, the Western Journal is the dot com, folks. WesternJournal.com. You gotta bookmark the site. You gotta check it all the time. But go ahead, Joe. And I, just, I wanted to ask, uh, how, I know the Liberty Daily has been growing, uh, rapidly. I wanted to ask, uh, how positively them putting your articles on their site affects your site. Uh, well, I don't, I don't have those numbers in front of me. Uh, one thing I can say for sure is that, uh, conservatives, need to be doing more of that kind of uh sharing of information and and working together uh yeah i mean in some sense those that's our competition right and in some sense um people like who i who i like and trust like breitbart and wnd and bizpack review and uh ijr you know these are these are pretty good publications and uh you know, in some sense, we're sort of competing, um, but Got we that. have to get yep. behind or get, get away from that. And I, honestly, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of sense of competition there. I, I'm probably overstating that a little bit. Um, I, don't think to- I don't think there's much at your level. Uh, at your level, in my view, anyway. At that level, when you get to your westernjournal.com, man, there's there's not too much. You're not among. I mean, you're leading the pack in my view, anyway. But well, thank you. We're certainly we're certainly trying. We're certainly trying. Um, uh, you had asked me what we could do. Mm-hmm. How do we respond? Uh, and uh, so over the weekend, I, I I gave people three really quick things to be to be doing. Well, I say quick. One of them's not quick at all. The, the first one, long term, is really we need to get smart people in the right in the right room. Uh, we need technology people and entrepreneurially minded people and uh, people with money. Quite frankly, 
uh, investment-minded people and patriots, and we need to get, our, get it in the room and talk about the fact that we don't own distribution and what can be done about that and how quickly can we do that because it's just going to get worse. It's like, uh, as, as you said, it, it, it's, it, it's not going to stop. Uh, they only can win through censorship. I, I, I think of it as reverse whack-a-mole. Um, you know, a mole comes up and whacks us, and then as soon as we figure out how to deal with that, another one pops up and whacks us. And you know, we can never, we can never stay 100% ahead of that until we, you know, look at the Wall Street Journal from 1980 and the way that they owned their presses and paper and ink, and they had trucks and employees, and they, you know, they took their message. Uh, out to the people that way because they own their distribution in, in, uh, in large part. Um, we need to figure out what that looks like digitally. And I, I don't think anyone knows the answer to that question yet, but, uh, I, 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 I have to say this, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I, I did anyway. Uh, we spent the entire, <laughs> we spent the entire Your last, show. well, no, uh, we like to give the guests the, the, the platform, but we spent last week doing things behind the scenes here as a broadcasting entity. Mm-hmm to, uh, number one, we are hardening our systems, uh, but we are also, uh, this is part of it, we need to be at- autonomous and, and not dependent upon right. a YouTube. Right. So we spent the entire week last week making um, changes to that end, so it'll be a smooth transition when it comes to that point. So uh, the reason I mention that to you is... Um, we're, we we blazed some new ground, and we did find out about the digital side of things. Our our tech found out about the digital side of things, and it's very interesting. And and it's something that I think all of us are going to be faced with. We're going to have to do that independent, uh, become independent and autonomous. And if we can do it together, that's even better. Yeah. That that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I do also think, although you know, I I hate to uh, to go here, and and you won't probably like it much more than I do. Uh, I do think this is actually a, a place where the federal government can have a legitimate role in terms of uh, antitrust. Uh, I, I think Facebook, you know, as a as a corporation, I think Google, Alphabet, as corporations, uh, they have a right to do what they want with the information on their sites. I, I wouldn't argue that, and I certainly don't want to see the government regulate it. In fact, long term, that's right. worse. Um, but I think there is a case to be made here for, um, you know, as we did with, with Ma Bell, as we did with the, the uh, credit reporting agencies before that, um, as we did with Standard Oil, of course. I think there is a legitimate uh, argument to be made that Facebook is a monopoly, that Google is all but a monopoly, um, and and that the the Department of Justice should investigate these for antitrust violations and and make some sort of determination as to what's in the best interest uh, for the American people and the security of their data and their uh, ability to freely speak their mind and be heard and uh, all of those kinds of issues that are are currently at risk and then short term. It's the easiest one to say, but it may actually be the most important, and I know you guys will appreciate this. Uh, we stand on the side of a creator who uh, is concerned about truth. He's interested in truth with a capital T, and so are we. We're 
we are interested in uh, the right and we're interested in, in conservatism, but, you know, if a liberal comes along with a great idea that we think is true, we're going to champion that as well. That, you know, truth with a capital T is what's most important. And God is not neutral in that discussion, in that battle. He has a vested interest in truth. Uh, so I think one of the things that we need to be doing more of is, uh, is prayer and not asking God to come into this battle on our side, but recognizing that we are in this battle on his side and asking him how he would best like us to, uh, to fight it and to represent him in this. One there of the is. most, as, there as an aside, one of the most um, encouraging things that happened uh, at at the uh, at the conference this weekend was a woman who just came up to me, asked me for a business card, and said she was going to pray for us and she was going to get her whole uh, weekly Bible study group together just to pray for us uh, that we would have wisdom and uh, uh, and mercy and strength uh, to to do what it is that God's called us to do. Absolutely, and you know our, our uh, faith. And adherence to that faith is so important now more than ever, especially right. when it brings that level of discernment that you can get nowhere else when we live in a time of, of such, uh, you know, deception and manipulation. That discernment is key, uh, in, in this atmosphere. I, I want to kind of switch gears here and, and talk to you about lawfare. Uh, several people in the alternative media are being sued erroneously, uh, in many cases. And vexatiously, a, perhaps, a, is, the yeah. most, uh, is a better word. Yeah, and it seems to be a tactic where it doesn't matter how frivolous the lawsuit is, you have to spend money in court to defend it. Now, I just I see a story up here that the, the uh, Western Journal is being <laughs> sued. Now, get this, because they used someone's t- uh, a tweet that somebody had posted on Twitter in one of their articles. And they're being, the, the Western Journal is being sued oh, really? two, by two separate lawsuits, one for copyright infringement for publication of tweets and images without permission. The second is for liable since the headline of the article is factually incorrect. Anyway. Yeah, I, I love how she spelled incorrect. Yeah. Two words. <laughs> I, I thought she was saying it was correct, that yeah. you know, it was factual. But This um, is a journalist. This is a supposed journalist yeah. who wrote that. Yeah. But, okay, so, you know, you guys in, in this article lay out perfectly, you know, the law, uh, the, the standards, and, and what Twitter's own terms of service say, meaning that she does retain the right to her content, but if she does submit it or post on Twitter, that those posts are basically free uh, to be picked up by anybody in the public domain. So she doesn't have a leg to stand on. Well, to the but, extent, to the extent, and we're very sensitive. I want to mention this. We're very sensitive about what you may or may not can or cannot or will or won't say, and we we, we like that. I just wanted but, to, to push that in there. Go ahead, Joe. But yeah, I mean, I just want, wanted to say that obviously, uh, you know, you guys are going to have to have your counsel work on this, and and it's going to have to be addressed, and eventually it might get thrown out or whatever. But um, you know, the the cost, it's going to cost you you some money to defend yourself. Do you guys get? Stuff like this a lot, and it has been it increasing lately. The, um, well, so so far, just to clarify, so far she has not actually that uh, that we know of in a way filed suit. We okay. have not been served with anything at this point. Um, she has threatened two lawsuits against both the Western Journal and the writer uh, of the first piece, which basically said that. She had, uh, taken pictures of, uh, there were, you know, the, we had marches Saturday, uh, against, uh, the guns in the Second Amendment. 
and there was an off-duty police officer, as I understand it, there was an off-duty police officer who was counter-protesting and legally carrying an unarmed, or I'm sorry, an unloaded AR, I believe it was. She took a picture. She posted a few things on Twitter. We took her tweets and embedded those in the article and basically said, you know, she was going after this guy. You know, what she thinks was incorrect about the headline, I honestly have no idea. She hasn't explained that. But she has made the claim that what she posted on Twitter was copyrighted material. And I'm not a copyright lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to be a copyright lawyer. I haven't even played one on TV. But I will say that Twitter's, to me, as, you know, every man, the terms of service on Twitter seem pretty straightforward. That if you post something on Twitter, you just announced it to the world. And not only can Twitter do whatever they want with that, but anybody on Twitter can do whatever they want to that. And that's the whole point of retweeting, of liking and commenting and all, you know, without, if that agreement didn't exist, nobody could ever retweet a tweet. Not only that, she's a journalist. I'm distributing her comment. So to me, that's just totally straightforward. And so we did that story and she called us today and just spoke with the receptionist for a few minutes and sent an email, gave us 24 hours basically to take the tweets out of the story, to take her picture off of the story. And so we ran another story about the threats that she's made and we put the tweets in that story again. And I'm going to post that on HagmanReport.com. Yeah, so maybe we can be co-defendants. Absolutely. Love that. We're out of time. George Upper, Editor-in-Chief of the Western Journal, thank you so much. Would you please come back and visit with us sometime again? It would be my honor. I'd be happy to meet you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, my good friend. Wow. Thank you. George Upper from Western Journal. WesternJournal.com. Bookmark that website. Please do that. It's a fantastic website. I've been checking it every day now. Yeah, yeah. It's good. We'll be right back. Go ahead. The Debbie Aldrich from the Debbie Aldrich Show will be our guest, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This edition of the Hagman Report. Just checking in to see what was going on. Of course, Lady of the Studio Dogs, younger adopted brother Theo. Here's Theo right here. The soon to be um, kidnapped victim of Joe Hagman. No, man, I'm going <laughs> to tell you what. Theo is, uh, he's a, he's a good, good, uh, he's Toto's great, 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 great grandson. Yes, he is. But, uh, anyway, uh, for those watching on YouTube, there is, uh, Theo. And of course, Theo and we, we love dogs. And, uh, Theo is, is, in fact, uh, I have a picture, the most recent picture, Abby, um, dog Abby sent us, or, uh, Karen sent us Abby. Thank you so much. Oops. He's gonna eat a spaghetti little noodle. bit of spaghetti there. Um, yeah, we, we've suddenly become the animal channel. We have to do this, uh, because YouTube is, you know, you know what about YouTube. All so right. I can bring my cats? So. <laughs> okay. Alright, there you go. Joe, I'm gonna kick it, kick it over to you. Alright. Oh, wait, wait a second. Hey, shake, shake. Hey, Theo, shake. 
Hey, can we get him to Shake. sit up? On a, on a, Shake. Do you have a word for it, Jackie? When he's hungry? Wait. He does this thing when you're eating and he wants food. He gets uh, on. No, go ahead and take him off. Stand on his hind legs uh, for for literally ten minutes, just standing there waiting until you till you give him some food. So he's just a. But, but see, dog. Uh, lady is a real dog. Okay, uh, that's just a that's just a pint sized dog. I'll tell you this. Uh, it's so funny when you get to the studio and Theo and Lady are here, and you pet one of them. The other one always runs in and tries to grab the attention. So you gotta. Uh, you know, pet them both right. at, the, at the same time, or give them the equal amount of attention, or they'll get angry. Lady has an attitude. She oh, will. Oh yeah, lady just any crap. She, she, my attitude's rubbed off on her. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised how grumpy a dog can be, and how much this dog can hold a grudge. Yeah, just kind of like <laughs> just like, like like her like her yeah. or she or she owns me actually. All right, anyway. Debbie Aldrich, the host of the Debbie Aldrich Show, is coming on, and she was a 2017 Republican candidate who sought an election to the U.S. House of Representatives in the 3rd Congressional District of Utah. And we're going to be talking about a number of things from the anti-gun agenda, the midterms, the omnibus spending bill, and Kelly Ward event in Arizona. Eric, do we have Debbie? All right. Awesome. Let's get right to her. Let's give, let's give her as much airtime as possible because we need to put good people in, in office. Yes, we do. Debbie, welcome to the Hagman Report. Hi, thank you so much uh, for having me. Well, th- th- thanks for allowing us uh, the opportunity to to have you on the program. We uh, um, w- we apologize. Last time you were scheduled to be on, I think we had uh, 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 thunder thunderstorm or snow. What did they call thunder it? Snow. Thunder snow. It just wiped out our power for 24 hours. It was just crazy. But, I remember that, and I apologize for my background. I usually have a green screen, and I didn't think about it until just a few minutes ago, so I threw a flag up. So not my usual background, but it's all right. Looks it'll good. do. Looks good. All right. Um, Debbie, we know you, but why don't you, by way of introduction, introduce yourself, where you're running, who you're running against, what kind of race this is, because we need people like you in office. I'm actually not running. I'm I sorry. Ran. You're not running. My bad. <laughs> That's all right. I ran last, I la- ran last spring for Jason Chaffetz's seat in a special election in Utah for the third district, which is probably the most, um, conservative Mormon district in the entire world. So it was, uh, it was a great race though and had a lot of debates. It was, um, you know, it was a really great experience. The man that won, I hope, uh, John Curtis, I wish him well. I really hope he will have a great impact in Washington like Jason Chaffetz did. So we'll see what happens. But, well, uh, and, and my apologies. I, I, the gentleman from Western Journal was on. I, I promoted a meeting that already happened. Now you. I'm sorry. I'm out of it today. No, no, it's I'm fine. It's fine. Mad cow. No, it's, it's fine. It's actually that raise open doors for me. Um, it's funny because I've actually had people in Utah ask me to run for Senate against Romney, and I said, oh, there's no way. He is the favorite son. But it certainly has allowed my voice to be a bigger voice. And so when one closes, another opens. That's how I look at it. Well, you know, and, and, and there's other times as well. So, um, and a lot of changes, I think, that, uh, that are to be made, but you're changing the world really one mind at a time through your show, right? Um, I'm not misspeaking here, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm trying. I'm doing my best okay. to to uh, change uh, 
one heart, one mind, and, and one spirit at, at a time to help bring our country back. Got it. Okay. Well, we've got a lot of things that we can mm-hmm. talk about. Joe, uh, I, I cut you off last time. Go you ahead. You do that a lot. I know, but it's I know. Okay. And I get an email saying, would you just shut your mouth? I mean, people saying, I'm going to drive there and stuff a sock in your mouth. And, <laughs> well, and, you know, the sad part is I agree. So Yeah. Let's start with the spending bill that uh, was just signed into law. We've seen a lot of backlash and unhappiness with the whole situation from Congress's role, Senate's role, and President mm-hmm. Trump signing this uh, bill. We hoped he would vetoed it. Uh, this is more of the same from what we've seen over the last mm-hmm. 25 years with presidents, and it is feeding the swamp. What is your opinion on, on what happened, and uh, do you believe that uh, – this is something the president wanted to do and was just throwing the, the veto stuff out there to uh, get a reaction. Frankly, um, I think he was his back was up against the wall. He campaigned on quite a few things, and one of the things he campaigned on was our military, to bring our military back to full strength, uh, to have good equipment. As you remember, we saw in the previous administration where we had, uh, you know, pilots who were acting like mechanics and they were piecemealing planes with parts from graveyards. And we've seen, you know, several accidents. We've seen shorter term of training in the Navy for people going out to sea on new ships. We've seen a lot of things happen recently in the military. So I think this was a really big, big issue for him. And I think they held his feet to the fire. You want money for the military? Uh, you're not going to get money for the wall and you're not going to get your other things. Uh, yeah. and that's just the way it is. And so I think he felt it's six months. So he said he will never, ever sign a bill like this again. So in six months, we hope this will be rectified. But it certainly was not good, and I thought he was going to veto in the end. And I think most of his base expected him to veto, wanted him to veto, and I do think it hurt him a little bit. Oh, it it, it hurt him, and it's going to hurt the midterm elections, at least the the people in the midterm elections, the congressmen, especially the Republicans, because we've seen – you know, this it's just so sad to see that under Obama, we we have seen that they tried to repeal Obamacare over 72 times, and obviously knowing it would never be signed by Obama, uh, they at least were able to get together, pass the bill, and send it to his desk. Now, with the Republican-controlled uh, House, Senate, and White House, the only thing Congress apparently is able to get done uh, are things that were the status quo under the Obama administration. And I I blame Congress much more than I blame the president, but I do believe the president should have vetoed the bill if for the sole reason of the taxpayer funding of Planned Parenthood to the tune of $500 million. That goes against everything he stands for. It goes against his campaign prom, uh, promises. It goes against his own professed Christian faith. And it is so aggravating to see the uh, continuation in, in abortion being hailed mm-hmm. as a civil right. But if I had the biggest problem so far I have with the bill is the Planned Parenthood provision. Mm-hmm. It, if he would have said, remove this, then I'll sign it, I, I could even be okay with that. But uh, to sign something that is a com- complete, complete opposite of the agenda you're trying to push through it is, an, is no good for me. But with that said, the midterm elections uh, are coming up. We know that the left... Uh, wants to impeach President Trump, or at least much of the extreme faction of the left and some of the right. Do you mm-hmm. see, um, what, what do you think is going to happen? If you had to guess, 
What do you think? How do you think the midterms are going to play out? Well, I think the uh, not vetoing the bill has hurt us. Uh, I think with the you know Planned Parenthood getting funding, I think that definitely has hurt us. So going forward, yes, his his numbers have dropped. But I think from this point forward, we have to put that behind us, and we really need to energize the base. Our base really needs to uh, – we've got to get energized. We've got 40, about 40 seats that are going to be uh, – we've had people say they're not going to run again. 40. 40 on the GOP side. So we can't spare 22. 22 seats, we must get at least 22 seats. So – Right now, we have to focus. The, the Omni bill is done. So I think the focus has to be on the midterms and filling those seats. And we want to fill them with candidates who are willing to go and fight. People have to forget about the man, about Trump. And I, and I don't blame him as much. He's, yeah, I wish he, he had vetoed at least for the weekend and told him come back with a better bill. But I do blame the House and the Senate. We hold both. We hold both. How is this possible? So, with that being said, we had better elect candidates who are willing to go to Washington and fight for the agenda that the American people voted for. You know, it, it, this is less about Trump and more about the agenda, the America First agenda that he campaigned on, that the American people voted for. And that's what we have to do is energize the base. One of the things that I do is I hold candidate roundtables. I'm having one tonight with four amazing, great candidates. We need, we have a lot of veterans running and we know with veterans, they've already served our country. They've already taken an oath. Uh, these are people that we could trust going to Washington. They've proven it with their service and, and all the ones running that I know of, and there's quite a few have really honorable service records. And I would urge everyone at 10 p.m. Eastern time, in fact, go to, um, Debbie Aldridge's Twitter feed while you're there. Follow her on Twitter, but uh, pinned there is, um, the candidate roundtable for tonight, t- 10 p.m. Eastern time at, uh, yes. and the link is right off of Twitter. So just folks go to her Twitter page. Um, that's, uh, your Twitter site or your Twitter is at Debbie A. Aldridge and, uh, click on the link there and that'll take you to the, the feed tonight at 10 o'clock. So that, that's important. And uh, it'll go live on Twitter. You'll see it okay. if you go to my timeline live and on Periscope. That's good. Okay. That's fantastic. And that follows our show. So that's great. Yes. And you've got, uh, now you, this is part of your normal show, the Debbie Elders show, correct? Or is this in addition? Uh, well, this is part of my show. I am, I do every couple of weeks a candidate roundtable. But I have a lot of other, there's, you can see the ad for it. Um, I do a lot of other shows. I've had, uh, next weekend, tomorrow night I'm having a great guest, uh, Gotti, um, Alderman. He is, um, sort of one of the founders of counterterrorism. He and Wally, uh, Faraz is, are kind of the founders of counterterrorism in our country. Right. Long before people even heard the term, they were talking about it, studying it. And when 9-11 happened, they were getting called. So uh, he's a great guest. I've had him on before. Also, um, next week, I've got uh, Christopher C. Hall, who is a professor. Yeah, there's my website up there. Um, thank you so much. And uh, he's a, a Stanford professor. He uh, Foreign policy and the Middle East is a great topic. He, he's just phenomenal. He's a speaker, professor, professor. 
advisor. So I think that's going to be a great show. So a lot of great stuff coming up. It sounds great. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. We need to over talk to you again. No, let's let's do this. You know, we have seen the Parkland shooting. The gun right debate has been front and center in the media, and and I really don't like talking about it. It's frustrating to watch. It's aggravating to see these children mm-hmm. being paraded around by every mainstream media outlet ten times over again, and all they are trying to do is, is re- repeal and remove the Second Amendment and everybody's gun rights. Now, uh, we have seen this David Hogg kid be the center, really, of a lot of this attention uh, as he was the face of the March for Our Lives uh, protest that just happened this weekend. And, you know, he's calling for, for gun control and, and calling anybody who supports the Second Amendment uh, a, a supporter of death for children. Mm-hmm. With all that said, where do you <laughs> see this gun debate going? And do you think that the promote, using children to promote this agenda was effective? Well, I think it was effective to the base that they were you know, voicing uh, the the propaganda, I call it propaganda. So Saturday, during the March for Our Lives uh, events that went on around the country, I actually, I am 10 miles away from Parkland, from the Douglas High School. So I went out to their event. Uh, it's on YouTube. People can find it on YouTube. And I interviewed actual students of the Douglas High School who were there, who had to hide under their desks, uh, some hid under their teacher's desk. They heard the gunfire. Parents, I spoke to parents, interviewed them, and the parents, uh, some of them heard uh, this breaking on the news, knowing their kids were there, and thank goodness for cell phones. But I can tell you, talking to those kids at Parkland, at the event in Parkland, not one parent or student said, get rid of the Second Amendment. They did say they want something to happen. They want change. They they feel safer walking on the streets than they do in their school uh, right now, and they're getting counseling. Uh, I asked them, do you feel, uh, is it harder or better to be in school right now? And they said it's a double-edged sword. Uh, the building has not been used where the shooting took place, but uh, and it will be torn down. And it is a reminder, however, the students feel they need to be together. They need to go through this together. So it's a double-edged sword for them. And the event, I asked them about the event at Parkland, not the one in Washington, but the event in Parkland. I said, was this divisive or was this healing? Did you feel that it brought people together or pulled them apart? Uh, was there a lot of propaganda? And they said they felt it was healing because everyone there are actually from the community Saturday. Most of the people at that event were from the community. It affected them directly. Unlike people in Washington, those people you saw, which was funded by Hollywood, uh, you know, we had George Clooney and Oprah Winfrey donating each, you know, a hundred, I mean, five hundred thousand dollars to this. We saw buses. We people were being paid to attend, and it was really full of vitriol against our Constitution, against Americans, against us. Uh, people who support the Second Amendment so we can continue to have our free speech. And and the one thing that bothers me the most is that not once, not once did they ever mention that this is a very Democratic-ran state. Ted Deutsch is the Democratic congressman of this district, the 22nd district. 
the failure of the Broward County Sheriff, the failure of the Broward County School, and the failure of the Broward County FBI, who all knew that this boy had issues, and not one of them brought it up. But instead, it's so much easier for liberals to attack the NRA and our president, who had nothing to do with it. So that's, to me, what's really problematic. I feel these kids have a right to have a voice. The problem is with D.C., the children that support the Second Amendment were not given a platform or a voice, only David Hoggs and the left, and the people that propped him up, and people like Amy Schumer calling us all liars, that we lie, that Republicans lie, they don't tell us the truth. Frankly, they're the ones lying because they never mentioned the real cause. And the problem with their narrative is if you focus on the thing that didn't cause the problem, this will repeat itself if you don't focus on what actually occurred that allowed this kind of event, a shooting and killing of kids in a school, happened. It was a failure with three different agencies, the FBI, the school board, the Broward County School Board, and the Broward County Police. The NRA had nothing to do with it. And the other thing that was interesting to me is there were lots of defund the NRA signs everywhere. The NRA does not get funding from our taxes, from the federal government. But parenthood does, and Planned Parenthood kills more infants, more lives, than we have ever seen in any kind of mass shooting. Not to excuse the mass shooting, not that at all, but it's just the hypocrisy, the narrative that the left keeps pushing, and using kids to do it. Yeah, and what's really aggravating about this that you just laid out is the multiple failures of multiple law enforcement agencies, including the Broward County Sheriff's Office and the school, stemming back to the Obama school discipline programs that they changed uh, I think yes. it was in 2009 basically ignoring crimes even felonies to pad the stats to get more federal funding and why has Sheriff Israel not been fired that, that amazes me the FBI dropping he's the ball a Democrat, and that's a democratic district it's a democratic <laughs> yeah. district very democratic district uh, and he's a democrat you know I also attended a week before the prior Saturday I think it was or Friday uh, I attended or maybe it was two weeks ago so Sheriff Israel holds an event where different candidates in the county come and they meet at this restaurant and they kind of give their little speech and it was he was promoted he was the face of it it was the Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Israel Broward County's you know event he was a no-show he was another yeah. show, but I went and I interviewed people who were there. Parents were there as well. I spoke to some candidates who were there, a guy who is going to run for sheriff against him. The problem is they have the money. The Democrats have the money in these districts. And it's funny, I heard today on the news about Democrats saying that certain areas, uh, the, the districts are being gerrymandered in other states for you know, the Republicans, they gerrymander them all the time everywhere on both sides, and they've done it here in Broward County to benefit the Democrats. Yeah. So it's it's such hypocrisy. Oh, it is. And this is the narrative that we have to, as every voice that we have out here, needs to, to change yes, it and does. speak the truth. And it's unfortunate that, you know, see, what really is frustrating is that the Sheriff Israel... Um, 
and from what I understand, it operates under a, cult, a culture of corruption, and from the money to hiring family and friends, and then we see him after his law, after his officers did not go in and engage, engage the shooter. A week after he found out that information, he's on the CNN town hall debate, you know, tearing down the NRA, tearing down people who support. Because uh, it's easy for the Democrats to deflect. Well, I, absolutely everything. it is. It, it is. And, you know, um, I, I was just shocked that after all the, the failures and uh, the corruption that he still had the audacity to do that. And, you know, this is it, this whole gun control debate, uh, the attacking of the NRA, the message from the David Hogg kid. If you're not against the Second Amendment, then you're for child murder. These are the same people who promote abortion and call mm-hmm. it a, a civil right, the murdering of babies. But yet they, they have the, they want to be and want you to be morally outraged at the NRA mm-hmm. for supporting the Second Amendment. It is truly a twisted world that we, that we live in. And it's only going to get it worse from here. Uh, they're going to continue on state levels and, mm-hmm. uh, to, to any time there's a tragedy or, or a shooting, this is going to continue to intensify, so it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But. No. I will tell you a couple of the pa- parents that I interviewed, and you can watch this on YouTube, like I said. They actually tell me when I said, what, where is the breakdown? What's up? Who's at fault here? And they said they know exactly who's at fault. The parents said, and you can hear it on my interview, the Broward County Sheriff, the kids said it too, the school board and the, um, uh, the, um, now I've got a brain freeze. <laughs> I listed the three, <laughs> but the three agencies that I listed, the school board, the Broward County Sheriffs and the FBI. And they listed those and they blamed those. They, they said, you know, as far as they know, it had nothing to do with the NRA. So there was truth at Parkland. But what is going around the country is complete propaganda. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And as I said, it's only going to continue to get worse. Um, I would like to ask you a question. Obviously, you're the host of the Debbie Aldrich Show. What are some of the things that you've been, what are some of the things that your audience has been really interested in uh, that you've been getting into in the last few weeks? Well, I try to make my show interesting by having varying guests. So I've had Democrats on my show as well over time, not as many, but I have. And they've actually been really good shows. Um, I brought in Will Chamberlain, who is a Georgetown Law School grad and a lawyer in D.C., and he's MAGA. And um, people have loved hearing from him. You know, I've just brought all kinds of different walks of life. They love the candidates, though. Right now, I think a focus is uh, on, I, that's why I do the roundtables. I tried to uh, also introduce last night, I had David Hughes on, Dave Hughes, who's running in Minnesota for uh, Congress, and he's he's great. He's really, he's a veteran. We have a lot of veterans, and so I'm, we're really trying to um, not eliminate other candidates who aren't veterans, but definitely want to support the veterans who are running. And so the, the roundtables have been very popular. The candidates have been popular. Uh, but like I said, I try to have varying voices like uh, Gotti Alderman, who is in counterterrorism. He's written a lot about it. He also has a radio show uh, within, that is in Israel, gets up really early. 
just a, a varying platitude of, uh, or a platform of guests. I've had musicians. I have some, I've had some really great patriotic musicians, and I have a really good one coming up on April, I think it's the 24th or the 25th, uh, Dave Bray. And he does an amazing rendition of God Bless America. So, which I'm going to play a little bit on my intro tonight. I've heard of that. Okay, was there was that was there a video about that? Because I I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's on YouTube. He's also on Twitter. But he's he's got a lot of. He's just ready to launch his God Bless America tour and his album. But he sings Amazing Grace. Uh, Go to YouTube, Dave Bray. It's amazing. He is an amazing talent. His rendition of Amazing Grace, God Bless America, all these different songs are so powerful. So I'm going to start playing little bits of them in the coming weeks until our show airs. I think it's on the 24th or the 25th of this month. All right. And, and oh, okay, um, fantastic. And, and Debbie, 24th. We're, 24th. All right. Yeah, we're going to definitely catch that. Um, I will say this, we're going to be tuned in tonight to your roundtable, 10 o'clock Eastern. Of course, you can go to uh, Debbie's Twitter, and it's going to be broadcast there. And that's at Debbie A. Aldrich uh, for the social media. And, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us, folks. Tune in to the Debbie Aldrich Show. We'd love to have you back on. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, and hopefully I have a better background. (laughs) Well, we (laughs) love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You can't get better than a flag. All right. Good night. All right, we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to be having congressional senatorial candidate Aaron Cruz. Don't go anywhere. Plus, the old dude has got to redeem himself through this segment, all right? So... Thank you, Joe Lee. And, uh, no, seriously. Uh, Debbie Aldridge, what a, what a great guest. And her program is fantastic. It, tune into her program tonight, 10 o'clock after ours, of course, a round table she's going to have. But we are so blessed to have with us tonight, Erin Cruz. If you don't know the name, Erin Cruz, she is a native Californian, born and raised. She is the author of the political and business communication book, Revolution America. She's a producer and host of the Aaron Cruz Show. Now, here's where it gets better. She's Tea Party, part of the Tea Party. She's a Republican. She's a constitutional conservative. She's she is uh, she touts herself as a conservatarian, which she describes as being a cross between a libertarian and a conservative, with the ability to transcend traditional party lines. And I think that pretty much sums up, it describes most of us listening to this program, unless you're listening to, to transcribe this for future litigation purposes, right? Uh, but uh, here's the deal. She is running for office. She's running against Diane Feinstein. Now, there is her Twitter page right there. If you're watching this via YouTube or uh, our audio platform at HagmanReport.com. There it is. She is truly an American First candidate. These are the people she, and specifically, and, and people like her, are the people that we need to put into office. You may ask yourself, my goodness, why are you having so many uh, office 
candidates uh, candidates on because it matters because we can change we we can change government we can we can support Aaron Cruz we can we can win we can win don't let anyone tell you we can't so we are so thankful to have her and I know she's uh, going to be reporting in from a joining us from a remote location. All right, are we good with her? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We're good. So, uh, I, but everyone, please. Whoops. Go ahead. Sorry, Aaron. You, you, you're cutting out there. Yeah. It might be a little loud. Sorry, guys. No, we hear you. We hear you fine. And, and the, uh, levels are great. Uh, well, Aaron, welcome to the Hagman report. Uh, it's great to have you here. And we are, um, we have been running a number of congressional candidates over the last few weeks. And you are the latest one running against Diane Feinstein. We just had a gentleman on who's going to be running against Maxine Waters. So nice. all in the same week. Um, let me ask you this. What uh, led you to want to run? Well, I love my country, and especially I love my state. And I'm, I'm fed up. You know, I'm, I'm a mother of two grown children. I'm a widow. I've, I've been a native California. I'm, you know, born and raised here. And, uh, you know, I wrote a book and it's called Revolution America. And it talks about taking, uh, action in your home, in your family, in your community, and in your state, and without, you know, within the country. And basically it came down to practicing what I preach. You know, taking action, making that step. Uh, and knowing and seeing the vision that we can win, but we have to be revolution. We are the revolution, America. And, and so that's where I'm at. That's what I've decided to do. Here I am. I'm stepping out. Now it's up to Californians. It's up to uh, citizens in the state to stand with me and to fight for California, fight for the United States of America, and take this home. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd like to ask you this. Uh, our producer, John, he is a, a former employee, employee of Hollywood and a lifelong California native. And mm-hmm. we always give him a hard time. You know, I call it California Stan. And, uh, we see just, we see all the crazy optics on the news that come out of California, kind of the, the extreme, uh, left. Right. But we're all, I'm, I'm always taken to task by people who are from California saying, well, hold on a second. The, you know, we are, we have so many people in the state who are uh, American loving, constitutional loving, uh, conservatives and that were never right. represented. Uh, how much of California would you say is of that conservative, uh, leaning mindset? Well, I believe it's more than, than we know. Obviously the media is not accurate in their reporting. Uh, and I believe that, I would say that it's probably around 40 to 45 percent. Now, that's a rough number. I know that um, we see more and more uh, throughout the state. We have, even just from the voter rolls, we have about eight point some odd Democrats that are voter, uh, you know, on the voter registrar. We have 4.5 million Republicans. We have 4.5, approximately 4.5, you know, decline to state here. So are the decline to state actually kind of those individuals who want more freedom, who want more liberty, who might be leaning more conservative than maybe they view the Republican Party to be not representing them, so they've pulled out and, and joined those ranks. It's hard to say, but I can tell you that, you know, even 
uh, in my campaign, what I'm experiencing here on the ground, now being a candidate, it's phenomenal. Even in places like San, uh, San Francisco, in the Bay Area, up in San, uh, Sacramento, in L.A., on the coastal regions, those are the places that we're told have the most liberals. And you know what? Those are the places that are on fire to take back California. And you know what? That speaks multitude. Amen. Speaks- Amen. Now, when is the primary? Tell, tell, tell us when the primary is in California. The primary is June 5th. June 5th. And it's so important. You know, I did a huge trade show with the campaign at the Fred Hall Show this weekend. And more than anything, people didn't realize the power of the primary. This is when people have the opportunity, okay, to make that first choice. Who's going to be up in the general election? And in the case of California, it's imperative that people vote that they get out for that primary, so that way they can make sure a Republican uh, is up against another Democrat because yeah. we have the top two in place. And, and we have a lot of listeners in your area, in your region, and, and in fact in that part of the country. So I would urge everyone listening to this broadcast right now, knowing Erin uh, Cruz, knowing her background and what she stands for, it's so important. So everyone get out June 5th and vote for Erin yes. Cruz. All right. Um, it, w- w- now, also the website vote. Yeah, go ahead. VoteAaronCruz.com. <laughs> and I got to say, we in, when we've had the uh, number of politicians that were running in these 2018 midterms, we've noticed a, a, a common trend. Uh, many of their websites are, are horrible, but I see yours is like uh, our friend Michael Snyder, who's running for the first district in Idaho, and very well put together. And uh, I think that's that's great. And uh, we're trying it simple. We're trying to keep the overhead low. You know, use campaign dollars efficiently. We're operating on funds we have. We don't operate on costs we don't have. We're operating in the way that you would want to see government operate, like a business, uh, and and serving the constituents well, or our in this case our uh, contributors well. Uh, so thank you for the compliment on the website. We're adding a new fact area, which will uh, give a host of information on more positions where I stand on certain issues. I'm hoping that that will be useful to people who are seeking more information than what is currently on the site. And, you know, we're taking input from from uh, from uh, citizens nationwide because this is really a federal office. I will obviously be the voice for California, but people across the country have said, you know, this might be useful for California voters. And so that's how we tailored our website. That's how we're tailoring our platform to serve the citizens of California. Well, I, I want to say in advance, thank you, uh, Senator Aaron Cruz. Um, <laughs> that had just got such a lovely ring to it, and I think that I think that's it's you know it can very well be possible. How is the GOP? How are, how are they treating your candidacy, and what kind of what kind of help or what's the relationship there? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure that I want to speak negatively. You know, uh, about any anybody in the party or or the party itself. Okay. Uh, But I'm going to kind of move out of the way here. There's a lot of noise going on behind me. Sorry about that. Uh, But in any case, the GOP overall, I believe, is uh, not set up for this top two situation where right now, you know, before the primary uh, happens, basically Republicans need to know who their candidates are so they can make a decision and stand with one another and make sure that someone that they want goes up against another Democrat in the state of California, because right now, as it stands, only two individuals will go to the top with the top two. So 
the GOP, I'm not sure that they're set up to kind of facilitate that sort of um, environment. They have a party system where basically I, I've went to a few of the um, endorsing conventions and you know, it's it's the same kind of good old boy insider right. network that we're seeing, and and really, you know, it's it's not cohesive. It's not representative of what I would believe the people of California would want. But again, you know, this is a party. They're they're supposed to be operating under their their bylaws and and everything else, which they are. Um, and you know, it's 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 unfortunate that I'm seeing what I'm seeing. I also will be going to an you know. The way it's structured is is I've I've went now to uh, Impact Republican uh, endorsement convention and I've went to the CRA which I received I don't know if you're aware the board nomination uh, for endorsement however they took three vote outs to get me out of being able to be endorsed and they endorsed someone else uh, and then I'm also now currently seeking delegate uh, nominations for endorsement so I can go up on the stage at the California GOP convention. Uh, and and this requires a lot of signatures just to get me on that stage. Wow. And quite frankly, I believe that the people of California, that the delegates, that the, the individuals should hear all candidates. Uh, I'm going through this rigorous process. I've, I've been working through the system. But again, you know, it's, it's a very tough process. I, I need the people's support. Uh, and the delegate support to get there on that stage. Once I get to the stage, then I may or may not receive endorsement. At this point, the way I see it is I am a candidate of the people, and the Republican Party is my own. I am a Republican. I've been a lifetime Republican. But I will go out there, endorsements or no endorsements, and I will fight because I believe Californians are fed up that they want great things to be happening for them in D.C. to impact the state. Uh, and you know, endorse you know, formal endorsements or not, we're going to do it. this. Got it. All, all right. Yeah. Uh, and one last question for me, and then I know Joe has got a question. Uh, again, U.S. Senator to be Aaron Cruz. <laughs> um, your number one primary hot button issue taking office. What, what would you focus on? Um, what, what matters to you uh, in your candidacy, and of course in, in the office? Well, in the office, we there, you know, it's so interesting because I've been asked this over and over and over again. And being in the United States Senate is a is a big responsibility. Pretty much all issues are top and hot topic. Uh, the one of immigration has been the topic that many people bring up to me as top priority. It's not so much what is my top priority; it's what are the priorities of the people of the state of California. What are the initiatives they want taken care of? The highest on their list to date seems to be national security, security for their families. And that is important. That would be immigration, ensuring that immigration reform is put through. Um, there are a lot of people dragging feet. Uh, and in California, we have Diane Feinstein, who we saw she wouldn't uh, sign, uh, sign on and vote yes for the omnibus bill. Why? Because it didn't have information or, or help for Dreamers. Well, you know what? California are dream, you know, Californians are dreamers too. Citizen babies and children and our future generations are dreamers too. We need to serve them. So going to DC, I will definitely be working for the state of California citizens, uh, to end chain, chain migration and birthright citizenship, work to strengthen our borders, follow and enforce immigration laws, 
and ensure that our citizens are kept safe. Absolutely, and we see immigration is such a controversial battle in, uh, yes. in, in the public's eye right now. And one of the things that really bothers me about the left and, and the mainstream media's coverage of illegal immigration is right. they do such a disservice to the American people because when we're talking about, right. when we see them and arguing it, for... And legal who are not even citizens yet. It's a disservice to everybody who wants to have a future in this great country. It is. And they see, the problem I have is nobody, even on the right, uh, nobody is against legal immigration. Right. What, and the, the news never makes the distinction that we're not talking about legal immigration. We're talking about blanket amnesty of people who have right. broken the law to get here. And it does right. not only a disservice to the uh, American citizens, but also to those people who have gone through the legal citizenship process. And they, they never, you know, talk about the fact that they're supporting the people who are, who are breaking the law. And these sanctuary cities and, and states, absolutely, uh, you know, it, it's, it's chaos when you have the locals fighting versus the feds. But I want to ask you this. The, yes. uh, we, we see that this battle, the mayors are warning ICE. Uh, of the raids, they're not cooperating. Should people right. be charged with obstruction of justice as an example? Uh, I believe, like, like I mentioned earlier, laws should be enforced, and that would be again, even against those who are creating unlawful laws or who are carrying out laws that are infringing on citizens' rights, uh, and that would be including uh, federal, you know, enforcing federal immigration laws. Uh, it's important that we protect our citizens first and put them first. Uh, and so, yes, absolutely. If, if legislators or if mayors are, are irresponsibly, uh, going against federal law, they should be held to the wall on those issues. Yeah. And, and you know, this is a debate that's not going to be ending anytime soon. The push right. for, against guns as of late, uh, we've seen this huge push against the Second Amendment. Many people want it repealed uh, in the wake of the Parkland shooting. What's your position on the Second Amendment? Well, very simply. Oh, I think we just got cut off there. We will get her back. Wow. On. She's uh, just at that at that right moment, right? Yeah. At that, just at that very moment when we're talking about the Second Amendment. And again, it's one that they, these things happen. But um, our I guess Aaron, Aaron Cruz, yeah, uh, yeah. who uh, seems like she's got a great head on her shoulders and, and would oh, be absolutely. a fine politician, and uh, you know, I, you have to fight, especially in areas where there's almost this complete takeover, like in the battle of the media. We have the uh, the, the evil liberal agenda that has taken over every major news network, but there is the alternative media out there which is fighting against that. But in the political arena, California has been overtaken by the majority of Democratic, extreme Democratic candidates. And I ask myself all the time, why would a Republican even try to run in California? But well, you have to. No, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Cruz, is, to me, exemplifies the mm-hmm. reason. Yep. You know, I was looking at the ticket, and you you can find it. I on, was just looking at it, too, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you've got, to me, Aaron Cruz... Uh, looking at the uh, declared and under the Republican Party, Aaron Cruz to me would, is, in my view, would be the top choice. It, just give me a thumbs up when we 
Yeah, okay. It, it's you've got a lot of issues there with connect connectivity issues, but you know, on the um, it, it's a it's a crowded ticket on both on both on all sides, uh, not just both sides. But um, you know, we need to support people like Erin Cruz and certainly Erin Cruz herself. Uh, we've yeah. got her we've got her website connected to the uh, in the program description. But uh, but you're right, Joe. You know, you, you at one point, kind of part of you says, "Man, you know, I'm putting all this effort into running." You know, and, and the other part says, "Well, we got to do something." Yeah. yeah. So I, I and I believe she can win. Looking at uh, just looking at the landscape here, we, you know what? We might not have her. And it, 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 well, you know what? It's she's June fifth is coming. No, I I know, know but. Uh, uh, it's interesting the noise. I'll tell you what. Background. It like she was we'll just uh, we'll invite kitchen. her. Yeah, we'll invite her back. Just go ahead and and she can because I'm sure she's slammed with things because we only have what uh, less than ten minutes. Yes, roughly we got about ten minutes. All right, so um, so let's, uh, let's yeah, cover some let's, news. Let's get okay. And by the way, nine o'clock at the top of this hour will be the Doug Hagman radio show because Stan Dale is out sick. Now that doesn't yeah, mean you should turn your off your yeah. Don't turn off your, your, don't turn off YouTube or don't turn off the show. Uh, listen, and if you haven't heard my show before in the morning, uh, this will give you a chance because I, I've never put any of my shows up on YouTube. Okay. And I know Joe and John put their shows up. So this will give you a taste. See if you like it. If not, fine. If you do, hey, tune in in the morning. All right. Joe, go ahead. All right. Yeah. I guess we, uh, there's a few things we can cover as the, uh, in the, in running out of time here before the break. Um, and, and, you know, what we see here on the President Trump's, we were talking in the first segment about John Bolton and the, he, he's really a war hawk and, and many people yeah. are, press, are scratching yeah. their head about this. Um, and I'll say this, I don't know, Michael Savage made a point, uh, saying, I'm not sure what the exact date was, but sometime a week or two weeks ago, he has a day he can pinpoint it, but he thinks something changed with Influence inside the White House. Okay, let's talk about this. Has, start, has been doing things, uh, almost like, uh, he was, his family was threatened. So he's, you know, becoming, a- acting more moderate or the way he was told he should be. Uh, but yeah, what's going on in the White have, House? Have you, and we're going to toss this out to the listeners and viewers, have you noticed that? Because I kind of feel the same way. I can almost tell you when it was, um, do you think something happened? I guess that's the question. I, I does, Savage, something, does Savage think something happened? I don't know. He he thinks there has been a, a noticeable change, and that the president has um, really strayed from his original message and promises, and that he is giving concessions where they don't need to be given. Uh, he's surrounding himself with people who many people are, are taking issue with, and Savage has. A belief that has something to do with foreign policy. Now, I don't know. All right. Know. With respect to issues of foreign policy, I, I can almost understand that. And, and it, it's interesting, too, when you have, um, and this is my observation, when you have Donald Trump, of course, and you have members of the uh, Christian media, uh, plat- Christian media platforms, and ministers or preachers or uh, Christians who have websites that are taking President Trump to task for various things. Look, I understand 
I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I'm not going to apologize for anything Donald Trump has done, especially the, the, the well, stuff the, I, was, I don't agree with. But um, Paul Joseph Watson yesterday on the way home from go ahead from me at the studio on the fourth hour of Infowars was talking about this, and he said that the backlash was so much worse with the spending bill right. than with the one-time airstrike in Syria, but that the president uh, needs to understand that what he did really upset his base and that he's not going to be able to sustain uh, much more backlash like that, or he's not going to be able to continue to make decisions that go against what he stands for. But, but I, I, think, the, I think I think I think Bolton is going to be a, a uh, one of those because of the backlash, and I, I don't think it was expected. I think that took him by surprise. So, but I do believe that Bolton's going to serve as kind of a house cleaner. Uh, more than more than people think. Now, whether you believe that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's a good thing because I believe Bolton's going to go after the Obama holdovers first in the house cleaning. Uh, you watch in the next. I'm going to say uh, by the by April 15th, you're going to have at least six, if not more, people inside the White House gone. And that's, that's okay. My, I'm okay and, with and, the and I as long too. as he gets the right people. Uh, you know, I don't care if you give, you know, 50 different people the job. If the 51st person is the perfect fit, not only for the position, but also with their working inside that administration and that cohesion, uh, it, I'd much rather have the high turnover and, you know, great and the right people in those positions than, you know, just for, for the sake of so-called unity, uh, leaving people in there who aren't doing the best job that they should be able to do in those positions. But, um, a lot of people, uh, I mean, we know pretty much 30% of the country is going to take issue with any and everything the president does. So he's going to be criticized regardless of what he does. And what we see now is this, uh, especially from the Stormy Daniels Network, they're trying to promote this image of just absolute chaos in the White House, almost like it's being run by a, a kindergartner and, you know, that there's no control. Uh, but, you know, one thing I'll, I'll say is that we are still seeing leaks coming out of the inner circle of the White House, which is very concerning, and those need to stop. But, um, you know, John Bolton, what about the Iran deal that was struck by Obama before he left office? Mm. Will Bolton let that go through or, or can, to be continued with his uh, pro-war stance with Iran? I don't think so, but who knows? Maybe there's some... Um, Maybe there's some specific reason that John Bolton was placed there. Maybe he has a, a great plan or uh, an idea or something that is going to uh, help President Trump push his agenda forward. I, I don't know. You know, uh, Western Journal uh, pointed this out, too, when I just find it very interesting, the media's uh, uh, treatment of John Bolton uh, versus uh, Bill Clinton in terms of their lack of service in Vietnam. Uh, now, you might ask, well, what does that have to do with anything? I, I think there, there's a collection of, of bits of evidence that we don't need to, to, to really show how biased the media is. We know that. But who are they biased against? We, of course, we know that it's, it's the conservative Christians. But what is that saying to, to find out, uh, um, it's about the, you. You give me that that phrase or the uh, saying yesterday to find out who your. Oh yeah, and, if you and, want to find out who your true enemies are, there you go. Learn who you can't criticize. There you go, and, and I think that tells us more. And thank you for that. That tells us more than anything else. 
uh, in, in relative to John Bolton and even uh, members within the Donald Trump circle, if you think about that. Now, again, you've got to really think hard about that and analyze the various staff movements and firings and hirings. So, yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> kind of <laughs> off the... Uh, I, I know you're, where you're going. I know funny, where you're going. No, you don't. This is just okay. a really funny story. I think we covered this when it was first announced uh, that this guy was going to do this, but never thought he'd carry uh, through with it. Flat Earther actually carries I, through uh, uh, with promise. Launches yeah, himself yep. in a homemade rocket. Mike Hughes, 61, <sighs> launched himself roughly 1,800 feet into the air in a homemade rocket. The footage of Hughes' liftoff was shared on Instagram. Hold my beer and watch this. After quickly firing up nearly 2,000 feet, Hughes rockets deployed two parachutes that cushioned his fall back to Earth. Now, my question is, uh, if you're going to try, why not buy an airplane ticket where you can, you know, get 35,000 feet instead of launching yourself 2,000 feet? I say this with no disrespect to people out there. I know there are some people who believe the Earth is flat, but I can say it without a, a shadow of a doubt, it's not flat. It is round and. Oh no, you're, you're just brainwashed. My study of space through the telescope you gave me that I have gotten years of use out of uh, everything else in the solar system is round. Got this big honking. Eight inch deep space hunter. Yeah, you, which you I remember our cell advertising those? Telescope. It's intact. The tube's intact and uh-huh. perfectly fine. But the, the wooden stand is completely destroyed. So I have to find a new uh, rig to, to get that there. Well, so I can I, enjoy I, it this I summer. I can't remember where, where the, it, Art Bell used to, to advertise hardened optical is, is where. I mean, I've spent, I've spent so much time out looking at the the sky in the especially in the summer nights i'll spend hours a night out there and it's so beautiful to be able to look into deep space and um but i've never seen a planet a star anything in the uh, in outer space that's flat in fact everything i have seen is round every planet i've looked at through that telescope and it's a big telescope when you look at the moon i mean you're not you don't see the moon you have you see the all you see is the moon and, yeah, it takes two people to move that. And it is, um, everything is round. But anyway, this flat earther launched himself 1800 feet. Now, he has said, I'm tired of, uh, I checked it out myself because I, I needed a man up and do it. But he has not made a comment on whether he believes the rocket launch pl- proves his flat earth theory or not. He maintains that the planet is frisbee shaped. Now, the flat earth thing is, uh, something that people believe. But one thing I've seen recently is that they believe there's a conspiracy of people who not only made up the fact that the earth was round, but that somehow it diminishes scripture if you believe the earth is round. And we'll talk about that on another well, show. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I, I really don't. No, but I just thought it was um, funny. He finally did launch himself hmm. into space, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Innovative that, on That's his a part. decisive decisive altitude there. Right, so like I said, get a yeah. plane, get thirty-five thousand feet up, and um, the Concorde uh, would have been a better bet. And you know that, that that's one thing too. I, I I really, why did they ever stop running the Concorde? What's the Concorde? Oh no, I know, John. I mean, but anyway, um, oh, the, the supersonic or uh, yeah, the British Airways. In the uh, last few seconds here, did did you guys see the? The killer of Kate Steinle is suing the federal government we for malicious prosecution. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's horrible. I can't believe it's that. horrible, folks. We we got a rigid time clock to stick to. So I'm uh, Eric wrote me a note here. Okay, so let me look here. Okay, we've got uh, actually fifteen seconds. Fifteen, no, 20. Uh, about twenty-two seconds. Um, 
I invite you to join in tomorrow, nine o'clock Eastern, Doug Hagman Radio Show. Taste of it tonight. Yeah, stay stay and here then, and listen to this, uh, yeah. the Doug Hagman Radio Show. Because if you haven't heard it before, you might just actually love it. Yeah, yeah or do. not. And then of course two to three, John and Joe, and back here tomorrow night, seven to eight. Wish Joe a happy birthday. His birthday is tomorrow, thirty-five. That's right. Thank you. Thank you all. You guys have a great night. You are listening to the Doug Hagman Radio Show, weekdays 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And now the man behind the mic, a private investigator with over 30 years under his belt, Doug Hagman. Good morning, everyone. It's 6 a.m. on the West Coast of America, 9 a.m. here in the East. Welcome to Hagman, the Doug Hagman Investigative Hour for today. It is Tuesday, March 27th. 2018. Thanks for joining me this morning for an in-depth look at tomorrow's headlines today as I delve deep into a number of issues. I want to start out the program by saying uh, I, I was talking about the uh, difference between the omnibus bill or an omnibus bill and the budget, the federal budget. Now, I ran this by a couple of uh, legal professionals uh, with respect to who know Washington lawmaking. And it seems that I could be wrong. It could have been wrong with respect to the uh, the factual differences or the actual differences between the omnibus bill and, and the budget. It's uh, uh, where I pointed out some inconsistencies between a budget bill and uh, the omnibus bill. And, and I stated yesterday, in fact, both in the in this show. And as well as the evening show, that it, it could allow, perhaps allow, uh, President Trump to slow walk some of the monies or, or not really stick to the appropriations. In fact, I even stated that uh, they were suggestions more than definite appropriations. I think I was wrong on that. Uh, after checking even deeper, 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 and especially with constitutional experts from um, from various well from inside Washington but also from academia and I know that that gets a little dicey when you when you're talking about that but when you have a constitutional expert who uh, uh who understands these lawmaking things so l- let me just say this I I I'm looking at this I, I don't think that uh there's as much leeway as I suggested yesterday so I want to just start out by saying that I I uh, look, it was a bad, bad, really bad move. And as Dan Bongino pointed out yesterday, the good news is that Donald Trump is really hacked off about this. The, the fact that, that he was put into the corner and misled by his own staff. And along with that comes the idea that there will be some house cleaning, as well there should be, Especially since Bolton was uh, appointed and is part of the National Security, is head of the uh, 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 National Security Council. But, but all, all of that said, I, I do believe that I was too generous yesterday in my assessment with respect to the omnibus bill. And I do believe that although historically, and I, I was not wrong, historically Obama uh, did some things to. I don't want to say misappropriate, but uh, uh, he used some pretty unconstitutional, in my view now, unconstitutional measures uh, with respect to the omnibus bills prior. So here's the bottom line: it, it is what it is. It was uh, everyone. I'm still, I'm still upset about this, obviously, it, it, and I'm not making any excuses for Donald Trump at all. 
But I will say that the good part of this, and again, citing Dan Bongino, who's a regular Fox News commentator, author, and of course he's a previous, a prior federal agent. He said that, uh, you know, his contacts, look, Donald Trump was, was, was really PO'd about this, and there will be some blowback from this. So that's the good news. And I'm not making any apologies for Donald Trump. I'm not, not in the slightest, nor am I tossing him under the bus. No, I'm not. I can only imagine, and as perhaps you listening to this might imagine, what it would be like to just imagine for a day what it'd be like to sit in the Oval Office and to just get pounded from every corner. Look, I, I know sitting here, it's deafening at times. Not literally, but you know it's it's all consuming. So, but but all that said, uh, so relooking at that, I'm relooking at the uh, difference or, or the similarities, I suppose, between the omnibus and the federal budget. And I do believe I was uh, I was too generous in my suggestions of suggestions. So that again, uh, cumulatively from people I've spoken to who are both knowledgeable of lawmaking in D.C. and also constitutional experts. And when you get right down to it, when you start start really drilling down into the differences, well, not so much, at least not constitutionally. So uh, this was a setup by the, in, in my view now, now I'm, I'm going off here uh, to say that I believe this was a setup by the swamp rats in D.C. for Donald Trump. And was he taken in? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think he expected the blowback that he got. And now based on... Blow, and Donald Trump, I believe, is all about public perception, PR. How did he get where, he, where he's at, given his list of business successes as well as business failures? So it, it, it's it's a game of optics. But that said... Uh, I, I think that lessons learned, and I think that there will be some severe blowback from this. So I wanted to mention that out of the starting gate. Now, Daniel Greenfield, uh, whose pieces appear on Canada Free Press, he, this guy is a talented, talented writer, author, and investigative researcher. He, he had a column about who actually runs March for Our Lives. And that was the this supposedly spontaneous organic movement that took place o- over the weekend featuring these well spur spurred by the uh, shooting at parkland now when you start peeling back the layers here you can you can identify who is behind this and obviously we know it was neither spontaneous nor organic you've got uh, kids the the faces of this Emma Gonzalez and and David Hogg, of course. Uh, but, but, so but the question is this: Who's behind this? I, I had said from the the beginning, thirty nine days post event, you don't have this. I mean, this was a, a, this was an uh, an event ready to roll out, much like Benghazi. When you start looking at these things, and you notice. A similarity, you know. You notice things. The um, some similarities. For example, Benghazi. It happened. The attack in Benghazi, the CIA compound. Notice initially, when the attack took place, it was a uh, 
a consulate. It was an embassy in Benghazi. Then it was a consulate. Then it was a mission house. And they, they take control over the language. They take control over the narrative. And then the blame right away, uh, blaming a video that was obscure. So when you start asking questions about, okay, where did this video come from and who created these talking points? When you start going back and delving deep into these issues, you start learning things. So Greenfield wrote uh, just a tremendous piece on Saturday. And I had done my own investigation yesterday uh, after the after my morning show and before my evening show. And uh, I verified a lot of this and I went deeper even, I went deeper still into this. But now, now Citing Greenfield's article, when you follow the money, it's a strange political fact. But just about every major anti-gun group has been a front group. Now, consider the NRA is maligned 24-7, 365, yet it's completely obvious who it represents the line of ownership or, or representation with the, with it's it's a transparent organization. Now, despite the efforts to tie it to everyone from firearms manufacturers, remember the NRA. It's the it represents it, it doesn't re- represent its members. It re- represents the gun lobby, the the gun manufacturers. You, you know the argument, right? You, you can. It, it's amazing how the talking points are the same, but despite the efforts to tie it. To everyone, the NRA, NRA uh, to tie to everyone from firearm firearms manufacturers to the Russians, and notes Greenfield that if you can't tie any random Republican thing to the Russians these days, you won't be working at the Washington Post or CNN for very long. It represents five million members and, and five million and four. Uh, here just based on the actions of the uh, anti-gun lobbying groups. And I say four because uh, I did purchase memberships for uh, Joe, myself, Joe, and uh, Eric the Tech. And who is the third one for? Or fourth one for? Um, John. John Robertson. So, at any rate, take what's, let's look at what's going on. You've got the NRA representing its 5 million members, not the gun manufacturers, as stated by the talking points, whereas anti-gun groups tend to represent shadowy networks. Now, this I believe, and, and if I may say so myself, this is where I excel. I love to investigate complex fraud networks and complex crime scenes, and this, to me, is one of them. Now, Take every town. Have you heard this? It, it, every town is the no, noisiest and most dishonest anti-gun group on the scene. The one consistent thing about anti-gun groups is that they are usually the opposite of what their name says they are. This according to the very astute Daniel Greenfield. Now, every town for gun safety was formed out of two other groups. One of the groups, Moms Demand Action, and the second group, Mayors Against Illegal Guns. 
But both of these groups, both of these organizations are actually front groups for Michael Bloomberg. And when you start digging deep into this, Bloomberg, who was mayor of New York City, former boss of the Big Apple, he used New York City resources to host at least one of its websites. So when you look at it and concludes Daniel Greenfield, every town is really New York City. Now, March for Our Lives on every cable channel. But who runs March for Our Lives? The pawns, the teens, the young people, they're just fronts. They're just pawns. It's obvious to everyone that a a bunch of these pawns, these teens, don't have the resources. They don't have the skills. They They certainly didn't have the time to coordinate a nationwide movement. Instead, look behind them. It's the experienced activists activists who are really running things. Now, when you start to March for Our Lives fund, that fund is incorporated as a 501c4 designations. Now, donations to 501c4 groups are not tax deductible, and they're more of a political biased or political action group, meaning that they don't have to disclose their donors either, being structured as a 501c4. Isn't that interesting? Which explains why the 501c4 groups are a great dark money conduit. Now, the March for Our Lives website, if you go there, you can see it suggests that donors who want to make a tax-deductible donation, well, you write a check to March for Our Lives dash Everytown Support Fund. Now, how will Bloomberg's organization provide support for the supposed student group? In other words, what they're saying is, okay, we've got a 501c4, it's a political action group. It's not tax deductible. Don- donations are not tax deductible. And, and by the way, we don't have to disclose donors. Now, if you want to write a big check a, a, uh, and get, get a tax deduction on this, write your check to March for Our Lives dash Everytown Support Fund. Well, the question then is how does that fund help or assist the March for Our Lives group? In other words, where does this money go? Why have two March for Our Lives fund, one dark and one light, one under a 501c4, and then the 501c3, which is every town support fund? What's, what's going on here? Now, what about the event itself? The March for Our Lives permit application was filed by Dina Katz, a co-executive director of the Women's March Los Angeles Foundation. This was not just a little bit of professional activist assistance. Now, the application lists Katz as the person in charge of event. Again, Dina Katz, D-E-E-N-A. 
Katz, K-A-T-Z. She's a former Dancing with the Stars and current Bill Maher producer. She's also the former owner of Talent Central. That's a Los Angeles talent agency. The application for this event was leaked, and it lists her as president, obviously, of the March for Our Lives Fund. So when you look at this, when you want to ask questions, where do you go? Media contacts for March for Our Lives. Well, the media contacts are being handled by 42 West. 42 West, this agency. The That agency is a full-service public relations firm operating out of, guess where, New York, as well as Los Angeles, that represent major celebrities. 42 West was supposedly recommended by none other than George Clooney, who was one of a number of majority celebrity donors. But where did the money go? I like to I like to ask that question. Where did the money go? Now stay with me here. The answer, this according to the father of one of the students involved in this March, Jeff Kasky, he said the funds, well, they're being directed by people with knowledge of how to responsibly spend this money, and it's going to be very transparent. Every penny is going to be accounted for. This, again, is a statement made by Jeff Kasky, who happens to be the father of one of the marching students there. So who are these people? March for Our Lives Action Fund is actually overseen, when you start delving into this, as writer and investigative journalist Daniel Greenfield does, and again, he can find his work on Canada Free Press often. He's a fantastic writer and researcher. But when I looked into this as well, he did as well. All right, folks, we uh, seem to have a gap of some kind in the audio feed, or the audio feed stopped working. So we're going to jump in here until the audio uh, I don't picks up. quite understand this. Did, did, it's a good we, thing I didn't leave. Yeah, well, the, folks, did uh, and did this happen during our during my broadcast this morning? If anyone listened to the broadcast this morning, this is where it starts to get good. <laughs> I did not listen to this. Okay, I said, so, so I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering what, we, what if the file is corrupted or or what happened here. Okay, here earlier I was reading some emails that were pertaining to your show and I did not see anything that that indicated that you had any issues okay so this morning Marilyn sent you an email I'm glad your show was up this morning thank right. you very much um, for this I'm great... looking at the, uh, the the chat in the YouTube and, and it didn't happen this morning um, okay. so apparently so... The, the download on this well I'll tell you what folks here's the deal just go to uh, Blog Talk Radio, BTR, go to HagmanReport.com. And on the archive page for the Doug Hagman Radio Show is the archive. We apologize for this. I, I don't quite understand, again, what happened. But nonetheless, um, the this is where it gets good. And it, it, this is ripping apart the – oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, this is ripping apart the uh, the, the background, the funding of this march, the, where the money uh, – uh, really how the money is being collected and then dispersed. There's a big question about the disbursement of this money from the March for Our Lives. 
so you got 501c3 and 501c4 companies both operating in tandem with one another. Um, but, but again, the show was about, the program this morning was about this particular mechanism, how it was structured. And of course, this has long been, uh, what would you call it, in existence. And this is a Bloomberg operation. Uh, when you follow this back and start peeling back the, the layers of this particular funding onion. So all that said, uh, again, I apologize. We apologize here for the sudden droppage of the program. I don't know. We don't know. We, we can't explain it. I don't know what happened. But that's. But having said that, uh, just go to HagmanReport.com and, and go ahead and finish listening, if you don't mind, listening to the BTR uh, feed from this morning for the Doug Hagman Radio Show. But, again, this is good stuff. Taking apart, understanding who is behind this, the, the funding, and, of course, the Joyce Foundation. I, I think I, I didn't wasn't quite listening to the entire thing. I think the Joyce Foundation plays a part into this, uh, plays a part in this. But it's a community organizing factor. Now, you remember... The one issue that I want to bring up here, and I don't know how many people remember this, Operation Choke Point. This plays into, at, at least at, at a peripheral level, this plays into the march for our lives, Operation Choke Point. Remember in 2013 when Obama and Eric Holder initiated this Operation Choke Point? This is, again, this this is part and parcel to it. And, and Operation Choke Point um, was... In in a way, it it went after the the well. It, it was kind of a, a government side of what Citibank has recently done. And of course, you know that Citibank had decided to not continue doing business with gun shops and and users of gun purchases. Citibank has had done this, but. The historical precedent for this, and perhaps even the template for this, exists in this operational operation check, uh, choke point that was really the brainchild of Obama and Holder. And I, and in today's program, I talk about this operation choke point back in 2013 and what I believe we can expect. I, I think we'll we'll see more banks uh, t- turning off the ability for merchants to use their services gun merchants that is for example a place like uh, Field and Stream or, or even just your local mom and pop shops where banks will say nope we're not going to we're not going to finance we're not going to be your merchant account and it, historically go back to Operation Choke Point 2013 look that up uh, so this is all part of this as well so you're seeing this convergence as I explained or this morning you're seeing this convergence of those people who are anti-Second Amendment, anti-First Amendment. Look at the signs. I talked about the consistency of the signs as well. I'm talking about the signs that people held up. You've got the magic marker kind of signs, the signs that are written on cardboard, but then you've got the pre-formatted signs, the professionally done signs. Who paid for those? Where where did they come from? And what did they say? Are some of those reused from previous marches and such? The answer to that is yes, and who paid for them? Well, that this gets back into the umbrella, the shadowy groups that are part of the March for Our Lives organization, the the front organizations. Again, noting the 501c3 and 501c4 organizations. 
and the people involved from the left coast, from, from Los Angeles and from areas around there to uh, New York and elsewhere. But you know what state is absent? And I might have mentioned this if I did, forgive me. Florida, consider the shooting happened in Parkland School. The alleged precipitating event happened in Parkland School. Well, where is the representation of the, where's the organizational representation from Florida? There is none. And that speaks volumes when you look at how all of this is put together. So that's what this program, my program earlier was about. And this is not supposed to be, or not supposed to have been a commercial for my show, but nonetheless, because of this, this file corruption of passing it along to the, uh, to, to, to the, uh, uplink. It uh, obviously it just stopped where it stopped. So our apologies for that. But again, Standeo is not uh, is not with us tonight because he's he's ill, and that was supposed to play in its stead in in Stan's place. So yeah, yeah. Well, what we're, we'll keep the uh, static image up there as we continue to go through some news. I wanted to we started to hit on this piece earlier. CNN. There's not a snowflake's chance in hell of repealing the Second Amendment. So this article on CNN uh, goes on to talk about the latest in the Second Amendment battle where former Supreme Court Justice Stevens argued against the right to bear arms, which the Supreme Court has said the Second Amendment guarantees should mean something different in the era of today's weapons and today's civil society. Now, as I said earlier in the show, I've been doing a lot of research, uh, gathering content and whatnot for uh, a number of reasons, uh, one of which is the upcoming Occupy conference that we are going to be speaking at. And some of the things that I have come across in my studies is uh, part of it deals with this gun debate in the Second Amendment is an author of from the Hoover Institute who has written a series of articles about how our Constitution is out of date. America's antiquated Constitution is one in particular. Now, this deals with the a number of issues starting with how the founding document of the United States is wholly unsuited for a modern democracy and a potential danger to its survival. This author, a Mr. Terry Foe, is making the argument, because Donald Trump won the election, and they he says because Clinton won the popular vote, that our constitution and system uh, the constitution's election how it lays out the elections with the electoral college needs to go because of how badly it's screwed up but anyway giving you some giving you some insight into the mind of leftists and, and the, the ideology and their arguments to back up that ideology he goes on to say that the constitution of the united states is a danger to the government and to the citizens of this country he also goes on to say that the Constitution subverts the will of the people and needs to change. In his recent book, Relic, he explains how the Constitution undermines the prospects for an effective government in America. The real problem rests with the core components of the government that the Constitution designated them are responsible for making the nation's laws. The U.S. Congress is at the center of the lawmaking process and right at the center of the dysfunction. And I'll agree with him on that. But anyway, he goes on to say that this is not the good old days. And even in the good old days, the Constitution was still a problem. 
and what he uh, argues is that we need to go uh, more towards a European Union style a parliament and we need to redraft the constitution but I, I just think that's, that's pretty interesting and I think that's been the but the takeaway the constitution yeah. is uh, the biggest poses the biggest danger to an effective government or or, yeah. or democracy, yeah. Because well, it's a republic, and, and not democracy. Exactly, and notice how they use that that word democracy. I think I think some, of course, it's it's uh, it just uh, they just don't real, uh, realize what they're saying, and others, I think, they do. But uh, anyway, you know, earlier in the program, you were talking about Bolton. You were talking about the leaks and uh, how the leaks continue. Oh, yeah. Big time. Daily Caller is reporting that uh, incoming National Security Advisor John Bolton, he's getting ready to, to make policy and personnel changes at the highest levels. As we had stated, and one of the uh, one of the tasks that Bolton has been charged with by President Donald Trump is to stop the national security leaks from inside administration and to change the current relationship between the NSC and the, and, and the president. Okay, don't you think after a year and a half of him being the president and the uh, constant leaks that he would have been able to fish out who these people are? You know, uh, you think you think of a large organization. The, go- the federal government's a large organization, and I know the Oval Office or the that contingent of personnel with, with access to the Oval Office. But there's is a not that big. No, I mean, to, ex- I mean to exposing these people, and you do it through disinformation. I, I think I think some are controlled leaks, others are are leaks that need to be flushed out, and I think Bolton will make the changes within the NSC to do that. Yeah. Well, putting our faith in John Bolton to do that. I, no, no, no. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a a blanket faith. No, it, no, I know. It, it's it's um. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's I, I think, think it's real simple. It. I mean, you, you, there's an exercise you can do on a daily basis, uh, where you take a few pieces of truthful information and you know one or one piece of false information, and you, you know, do this on a daily basis where, and you give the false information out there to a small group of people each day, and you, you find out when, when when the stuff's leaked and it comes back out, you can trace it back to who. You gave that information to. Now that's not I think that's proof. been done. I think that's been done to some extent. People can talk to other people, and then the other people can leak. But there well, has you, to be a, a, an effective system to stop these leaks because these are criminal. And they, have they? Did they lead to the death of a U.S. Uh, Navy I, SEAL I, in I, Afghanistan I believe, or Yemen? I, yeah, I, I believe that that to be the case. That was the first leak, uh, and that was the. Uh, the the raid that was telegraphed, but I, I think was that a leak or was that a change or an, uh, an exchange of information from the DNC servers, uh, or stemming back to the Awan access of the of the Awan cabal to the, yeah. uh, the, to the servers or to the congressional uh, committee servers, that goes back to Awan, the Awan brothers, I believe. Speaking of the Awan brothers, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, kind of one and the same. I don't know whether anyone saw this in the wake of that march for our lives that the, the, the yeah. what happened on Saturday. Think about this: Wasserman Schultz introduced, uh, well, Democrats actually in both the House and Senate have introduced a bill requiring background checks for what? For guns? No, for ammunition, purchasing ammunition. Did you see this? Yeah, you, you I, don't have the right to bear bullets. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but yes, th- this is. Uh, you know, they, as CNN, as we said, this article, there's a snow, there's a, not a snowflake's chance in hell that 
we'll be able to ban the Second Amendment. So what is, what's the next best? If you can't ban the Second Amendment, what's the next best thing? You do things like restricting ammunition uh, and so on. There's so many different things you can do as far as regulations that surround the guns or the ownership of guns from yeah, the, the ammunition. Let's look what they're doing with cigarettes. They, they, they raise the jack the prices way up, and now they're talking about taking the content of nicotine uh, or reducing it by a half or two-thirds. And, and the same thing they can do with with, uh, with, with guns. They can uh, start restricting the sale of, of devices that uh, you put on guns. They can uh, you know, pass laws to resi- uh, restrict magazine sizes to, to 10 or less. They, I mean, they can make it difficult, but they're never going to be able to uh, ban the Second Amendment. But they're, they're never going to stop trying. And well, okay, but, but you're, that's right. They're never going to stop trying. But, but look, when you look at the anti-Second Amendment proponents, think about this. You've got, you've got this inane bill banning or, uh, well, ultimately banning bullets, shall we say, or the ammunition, restricting sales of ammunition. But then go back in time. Governor Andrew Cuomo from New York, um, he, he stated in his inauguration or, concurrent with his inauguration that confiscation of guns could be an option this going back to December 2012 um, or in 2012 then the Daily Coast how to ban guns a step-by-step long-term process back in May 2014 you had an opinion piece in the LA Times you say gun control doesn't work fine let's ban guns all together that was from June 2014 Barack Obama said a couple of decades ago Australia had a mass shooting similar to Columbine or Newtown, and Australia just said, well, that's it, we're not going to see that again, and basically imposed very severe, tough gun laws. This came, this was said back by Obama in 2014. So, this goes on and on and on. And they've also attempted for many years to attack the language of the Constitution. When we read what the Second Amendment says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. They always want to throw, you know, this, oh, well, who's the militia? There's no, uh, you know, they're just every individual gun owners. They're not a well-regulated militia. But if obviously, if you read this in the context, they're talking not only about having a well-regulated militia, or we'll say the National Guard, for instance, in order to secure a person's right to keep and bear arms. Well, it, it, it's the, the look. The globalists—they're—they are ready, I believe, at this point to make their move against the law-abiding gun owners. I, I don't—I don't see any way around this. I, I think that we've seen the start of it, and it's going to be incremental. Look what uh, Stuart Rhodes said yesterday. Yeah. Uh, hey, he was—he was right on the money. And by the way, and he, he did do, not put that up there. Okay. No, but um, all right, we're going to have to have check an, on that. Another initiative that he is doing, uh, calling for uh, volunteers, ex-veterans, to to volunteer to stand right. out in front of schools and. Uh, or work with their local school districts to, uh, if they feel inclined to, to provide services of protection uh, to those schools that might take it. So go to OathKeepers.com and check that out. But he proposed an April 19th walkout in favor of the Second Amendment. You, you know, one thing, since we have some time here, and, and this is kind of a laid-back version of my, my program, of course, I think it was sabotage, folks. I believe it was sabotage. We're going to check Eric the Tech. Uh, I think maybe John and Joe slipped him a few bucks, but okay. Um, this is one thing I want to bring up, and we need to really focus on this. David Hogg, have you seen 
Um, of course, there's a lawsuit against Alex Jones uh, about the frogs and, and such. But but in a yeah, in, in he a, made an off-color but, remark a while back that. The chemicals, like the, the atrazine does, does not interfere with hormones. The bisphenol A in plastic, uh, for instance, is something that is in all the plastic pop and water bottles out there. Right. And there are studies that have shown how they affect not only humans but wildlife. And he made an, an example, and, yeah, he's been taking the task over that for a long time. Well, and he appeared in a recent televised interview, and he said that, at, you know, this is David Hogg saying, that atrazine, atrazine herbicide doesn't cause hormonal disruption. And, and, of course, we hear this from Monsanto, the anti-science pesticide chemical giant that spends millions of dollars a, a year funding block ops character assassins to defame critics of GMOs and, um, and, and atrazine and other such products. Now, uh, he has arisen as this uh, Hitler-esque youth. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Look at the armband. Look at the salute. Look at his demeanor. Look at how all of this is playing out. But I, I was amazed during that march, and I don't know how much of the, the uh, coverage you saw from Owen Schroer when he was covering the uh, the attendees at the march, where they were they were. He asked a question about about uh, or uh, many of the marchers had were making fun of Infowars Alex Jones. Oh, yeah. Anyone else saying that? Uh, uh, what are, the, uh, the, are we turning the frog or making fun of uh, the fact that the frogs are turning into turning gay All right, but the science behind the atrazine and the science behind this is in my view irrefutable but to make this a part of their platform it just, it just tells you exactly how far out and how uh, inc- really intertwined with the um, Right, activists, and how how much bigger this is. And, and what Jones was saying about making the frogs gay, everybody's focusing on that specific statement instead of the what it implies is that all, all these additives and, and pollution, pollutants are affecting and changing the behavior of animals. Which, and I don't know how many people exactly. And there there was a uh, a Twitter remark. I I don't know where this where I saw this. If it was, uh, uh, I don't know exactly where I saw this, but there was a a, a Worker in uh, a Starbucks employee. Did you see this? Where she bragged on Twitter? Supposedly, it was supposedly a joke, and then it wasn't. Then it was. Then it wasn't. Where she slipped a uh, 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 a conservative, a, the equivalent of an estrogen pill in his coffee. Did you? Have, I did, did not. You? I did not see that. But uh, all right, you know this happens so much more often than we would even want to think about. And, and you know, very few cases like this are ever uh, caught and found out. Yeah. Well, it, these are these are issues that I think we have to look at and really understand the seriousness. The, the look, the, the progressive liberal fascists are not playing by the rules, and the right in the crosshairs right now is gun control, followed by silencing all of the conservatives out there. And they're pushing us toward a civil war. They're taking out any potential dialogue options or options for dialogue or intellectual discussion. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see some flashpoint or series of flashpoints here in the United States that is going to really push us into a a civil war type of of environment. Now, it's going to be, I believe, geographically contained in primarily urban areas, and it's going to affect commerce and trading and, and travel. 
but I can see it coming. I can see it absolutely coming. So I, I wanted to mention all of that as well, since we're, again, we're just kind of flying by the seat of our yeah. pants. Um, and and, and let's, let us not forget about Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the one criminal, uh, oh, yeah. that whole criminal situation. And let's not forget as well the uh, Hillary Clinton email server, the, the fact that there are, in fact, 16, we're, I'm going to be following up tomorrow morning in uh, on my morning show about following up with respect to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence as well as Goodlot and uh, 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 Graham and, and others sending out questionnaires to individuals about the server issue and about the uh, about the uh, uh, oh, the, the, the various spying scandals. I, I'll just kind of encompass it under the umbrella of spying scandals. So that's something to watch. Yes, we I, have to we have to keep watching that. Uh, something that I, we didn't plan on talking about. I didn't plan on talking about, but I think it's worth discussing because it's dividing the alternative media and creating uh, enemies and division where there doesn't need to be any. And that pertains to this QAnon stuff that's been going on. There seems to be a, a few um, you know, online battles, if you will, uh, with people being di- being divided over over whatever this is. Uh, so, some saying that you know it's true, some saying it's not true. Others saying there's a whole nother person out there uh, who is the real Q, and on and on and on. And whether you follow this stuff or not is irrelevant. The only relevant part of this is it is creating enemies of people within the alternative media who have the same objective of trying to get the truth out there. And this unnecessary division is something that you talked about yesterday when you mentioned that, you know, we're conservatives are our own worst enemies. We're our own biggest critics. And regardless if you believe this, this Q person or persons or not, we can't let it get in the way of the overall agenda or have it become a, such a divisive issue like for say the rapture is to the point where you know people who believe in the pre and post trip rapture sometimes can't even talk to each other or uh, just because of that. So everybody should keep a cool head and uh, you know take a step back from this because it's not worth making enemies amongst such a small group of like-minded people who are trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I, no, I I agree. Um, without respect to the authenticity or legitimacy of uh, QAnon or, or whatever. I don't think we uh, that's not the issue. The movement that it represents in my view is uh, much broader than oh, yeah. the phenomenon or the, the Q itself would be. And imagine if that movement was actually directed with actionable intel uh, right. uh, the difference it could make. I mean, this smart. there's a lot of smart people following this stuff who are learning and, and have the capacity to do great extensive research and internet sleuthing. Hey, but it seems that they're right. running in circles. So, Well, and th- th- there are a lot of issues that we can cover. Uh, again, th- this kind of taking us by surprise because of the, the uh, corruption of the, of the audio file, uh, file, apparently, that was supposed to be going over this network right now. So, uh, again, a couple of other issues that, that are that we've been looking at behind the scenes, I guess, or, or that we didn't make it on tonight's show. The um, uh, oh, the, the other aspect too. I don't know how many people saw this. 
the whistleblower that has come out and confirmed about Facebook. Did you see this? This did okay. make the, the top story on Liberty Daily. I think it's... It's, it's on the top of Drudge now, too. Or top of Drudge now? Okay. Where uh, Facebook, or Cambridge Analytica, whistleblower Facebook, able to listen to you at home and at work. We've been saying it's this. not news. Okay, well, yeah, that's right. It's not news. But think about it this way. We have been saying this for how long? Since we started the show, right, and we have been called absolute kooks and nuts and and you know fruitcakes. Now you've got Cambridge Analytica whistleblower Christopher Wiley, who appeared before a committee of of British MPs on Tuesday. That would be yesterday in in the UK. All right, which is funny because this guy stopped working for this company in 2014, well before the. And it, right. Note, note the dates now. Note the dates. They're important. But the British Parliament's investigating Cambridge Analytica's involvement in the Brexit election. And, and you know, oh, my goodness. It, There's yeah. nothing illegal here. They've no, even admitted no, no, it. No, no, no. But, but from that, what's spurned from that is the speculation about the fact that Facebook can, through the Facebook app on your smartphone, oh, yeah. listen to what people are talking about and discussing, and then using that to prioritizing uh, in, in addition to everything else, prioritizing the uh, the advertising as well. Now, uh, other would other people would often s- would say no, they don't think that's possible. It's just that uh, the Facebook system is just so good at predicting what you're interested in no, by no, search no. algorithms and such. Okay, today I, I went no. on my phone. Uh, I, I, I know what you're going to say. I and uh, yep, yep. There was several applications yep. that I had to turn off access to my camera and microphone. Facebook being one of them. Uh, but you'd be surprised what companies and what apps have. You have to agree to their terms of service, which means you agree to allow them to access your camera and microphone, even when you're not accessing their site. So it's very dangerous, and it is just what 1984 talks about. And why do you think in interviews, even the founder of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, talks about how he covers his camera up and plugs a hole into his headphone port so nothing can be picked up uh, through that. That would be a microphone jack. Mi- no. Yeah, the microphone yeah. jack. Yeah. And it is um, no surprise, and not only is it something that's been ongoing, it's much worse than any of us can imagine. And, and this is something that happened to me where I was speaking. There was a, an open cell phone or a smartphone. I don't like those. I, I don't carry... I just, I just don't like smartphones. I don't like cell phones at all, but where I had... I was discussing a specific company. Never before had I ever seen an ad for this company. And within, I don't know, a a couple of hours, bang, an ad comes up for this particular company. I did not search for it using, you know, a a keyboard. Um, I didn't search for this on the computer. I just happened. And and this is an obscure company, nonetheless. So this is telling me that this, this is much deeper than people realize, and the, and of course, it's interesting to me. And I don't have the uh, uh, the legal action in front of me, but a lot of this, a lot of this, these these issues are being used uh, to promote these vexatious lawsuits against conservative media including us, saying that we are spreading disinformation, we're spreading fake news, and using things like this as an example. Now, where would they get that? So, again, I'm 
and where they're getting that, of course, is from our shows, but why focus in on that? Whereas they're saying this also spreads fear and paranoia among people to such an extent that it it paralyzes them and, and it affects them emotionally. Now, think about that. But that's something, again, it is so critical for people to understand how um, severe this war is right now. By the way, Liz Wheeler, who is on our program, uh, she dropped a bombshell of a question on California's census. Now, um, there's a commotion going on over the 2020 U.S. census, and President Donald Trump wanting to ask whether or not a person is legally in the country. It seems, isn't that what a census is all about? Uh, I mean, isn't that kind of the, the basis oh, yeah. for a census? And I think Bill Clinton did the same thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. But, but now, why is this such a controversy, considering it's a question that's been asked since the 1950s, except for the 2010 census when Obama had it removed? Well, one news network, Liz Wheeler, who's been on our program, asked a rather mic uh, drop of a question. Okay? And here's the question. So, liberals say asking about citizenship is the, in the census is illegal but they won't say illegal immigrants being here is illegal. Now, dissect that questions, or dissect that question. So liberals saying, asking about citizenship in the census is illegal, but they won't say illegal immigrants being here is illegal. Any any thinking person understands the, the craziness of that. I, 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 I don't... I, it's mind-blowing to such an extent. The, the what, what, what the left, and see, the left believes, the progressive fascist, in my view, they believe you are gullible and you are stupid. And they've said as much. They've written as much. And to me, that's insulting. Especially the liberal fascist saying that and writing that. But watch this. Watch what's happening with Facebook and uh, with uh, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, and the revelations that will be coming out. And um, we should thank. Speaking of the gun march and such, and I know we're jumping around topics here, but again, this was not planned out. We should thank, or the NRA should thank David Hogg and um, Emma Gonzalez in the March for Our Lives. The, I don't know how many people saw this, but NRA PAC donations more than tripled in February. The NRA PAC saw a jump in contributions after being attacked by gun control activists after Parkland. So they, they're rolling in it pretty well. Um, the numbers are, are pretty impressive. You're looking at the PAC raising a total of 779000 and change in February uh, compared to, what, a uh, little under two hundred fifty in January, 250000 in January. That's an increase of more than 200%. So... Yeah, and you can follow the, the numbers, and we're part of that, as I had mentioned earlier. So, but the there's a myth that the NRA represents the gun lobby, and, and people will, will see read this on on garbage websites like Snopes and, and the, uh, 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 in my view, garbage websites and right-wing watch and such. Look, the, the NRA does not represent the gun lobby as much as it represents its own membership. When you look at the numbers that the NRA puts to uh, 
funds to, to PACs or to the lobbyists uh, or to the candidates or, or, or the uh, actual politicians themselves. It's paltry to other organizations. Now, the, uh, but, but that, that's all I'm going to say on this. But but the fact that the uh, what we saw here with respect to the uh, uh, the increase in NRA memberships. And by the way, have you tried, folks? Have you tried to go out or have you looked at shopped around for AR-15s recently? Have you seen kind of a price markup as well as a little bit of a delay or a back order, shall we say, since Parkland or since at least since the anti Second Amendment people have gone out? I have. And I've I've uh, queried some local gun dealers, and they're seeing a, re- a re- remarkable increase in gun sales. So I, I just thought I'd mention that, um, as well as accessories such as thirty-round magazines, fifty-round magazines, and some of the other accessories for AR-15s and AK-47s and the like. So that's interesting. By the way, one thing that we're following, and we should keep in mind. Arpaio, Sheriff Arpaio, uh, I consider a friend of the program, and of course uh, Mike Zilla, who has been on with us uh, a number of times, a former member of the, uh, uh, member of the former Cold Case Posse. Arpaio said that, uh, hey, hey, if if he is elected, he is going to resurrect the birth certificate. He's going to challenge Obama's birth certificate. We need this to happen. Now, you know that former Arizona Sheriff Gerald Pyle, uh, if he's elected to the Senate, that's he's running for the Senate, he said, look, if I'm elected to the Senate, I'm going to resurrect this conversation about Obama's birth certificate. Now, his remarks were first reported, of course, by Right Wing Watch, but he's running in, the, in a GOP Senate primary. He told a roomful of supporters in Arizona that he has remained silent about his accusations pertaining to Obama's birthplace, or specifically about the document, not about his birthplace, about the legitimacy or the uh, authenticity of the document, which nine points of forgery, whatever the White House put up, has been proved to be a forgery. But Arpaio is saying, look, I get in the Senate, I'm not going to be quiet anymore. And, of course, to the room full of of, uh, uh, supporters, he said, look, I'm not going to talk about it anymore until I become a U.S. senator, so I'm kind of dropping that right now. But I'm not going to. Uh, he said, "But I'm going to tell you something. 100%. We proved that that uh, that it's a fake document. 100%. And he's right. Again, according to Joe or Pyle saying this, and uh, Mike Zullo. So things are happening out there, at least on the ex- uh, exposure level, and the criminality." And I apologize again for the the uh, corruption of the file of my show, but the criminality we are seeing being exposed, I think, will reach new heights as well by mid-April, concurrent with or in advance of the Inspector General's report that's coming out, expected in mid-April. And by the way, Donald Trump did mention that he was going to have a news conference, a very important news conference in the middle of April, and I do believe he was referencing that. And I want to mention something else. I talked off-air with uh, citizen journalist Tracy Beans, or had some dialogue with her. I shouldn't say talk, but I had some dialogue with her. And uh, how can I put this without breaking any confidences, except to say, watch her channel, because I think she's got, going to have some revelations concerning the 
Jeff Sessions slash IG slash prosecutor. That's working in tandem with Michael Horowitz, the inspector general. And I think that that remark by Jeff Sessions about the existence of of a prosecutor working along with Horowitz is going to bear some fruit. And it is very possible, I'll give you a little hint, uh, there does appear to be, based on her research, and I have to conclude this, a grand jury that has already been impaneled to investigate issues brought up by the special prosecutor working in tandem with Michael Horowitz. And if that's the case, watch for the fireworks to come out. That's an extremely important issue. Uh, and then there's lastly to round out that uh, round out the, the uh, that topic as well as to close the show out tonight the um, uh, well the workings of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence the investigations by the various committees at this level are putting people in the higher levels of the Department of Justice and the FBI, both current and former members of both entities, uh, you're seeing some people, I believe, turning over states' evidence and actually going to be working with and have been working with investigators to prove at the end of the day, probably within a few short months, that what we've seen since the election and even before the election of Donald Trump what we've seen is a deep state coup and I think names will be named and I think people will see the inside of jail cells if they're convicted uh, and indicted and convicted I, I think this is coming and it's coming quickly and by quickly I mean within months so watch all of this as we approach the spring because the question is, will this be an American spring, an uprising, or or or, or not? I think I think there's a good chance that we're going to see a lot of people, uh, formerly of the FBI and the Department of Justice, saving their own skin, throwing other people under the, under the bus, and turning states turning over states' evidence. So, yeah. having said that, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the, uh, tonight's program. We again we had Stan Dale off tonight. We thank you for uh, for suffering through some of the unexpected glitches. Tomorrow, Diana West, the author of American Betrayal, you're not going to want to miss that program. I guarantee you she's going to be on with us for 90 minutes. If you were on Twitter, and I know she's on Twitter, Diana West, author of American Betrayal, just send her a little tweet saying, I'm looking forward to, see, to, to, to hearing you on the Hagman Report tomorrow. I'm so excited to, to, uh, uh, to have her on. And, of course, that's Joe's birthday, so send him a little attaboy. 35 years on this earth. Can't believe you're that old. I can't believe I'm that old. <laughs> so, at any rate, I want to thank, it is. It's, thank it's everyone. Unbelievable. So, unbelievable. Yeah, it is. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Joe. Again, thank John, our producer, Eric, the tech, and of course, a cameo, a little brief appearance by Theo Lady, the studio dog's younger adopted brother for dropping by earlier today. So it was a great program all yes, around. Sir. Tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, the Doug Hagman Radio Show, 2 to 3. That's the Hagman Daily Show. And then join us back here tomorrow night at 7. May God bless each and every one of you. Thanks again for your time, your gracious gift of time. And no, we're not paying that bill. <laughs>